Attention podcast listener, we've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1 that's 30 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, recorded next to the porno bush. I'm your host, the rapture-proof Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I love some chocolate idolatry. Mm, and who do we have on the line? And hi, this is David. I have a careful plan in, in place for my pets when I get raptured. Excellent, you always should. <laughs> and today's episode is Simpsons Bible Stories. <laughs> Oh man, this is the hottest Easter ever. Even that praying mantis is losing it. Today's episode aired on April 4th, 1999. That was Easter Sunday. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Strangers with Candy debuts on Comedy Central. Alrighty. (laughs) There's a soft opening of Universal's Islands of Adventure at the Universal Studios theme park in Orlando. And The Matrix is number one at the box office. I only heard Strangers with Candy. Uh, (laughs) And I will say, if you're listening to this on a podcast player, you must be. Stop what you're doing. Go listen to our What a Cartoon episode about Strangers with Candy. We did a fun April Fool's episode that was not about a cartoon, but about a live action show that is a cartoon. Gosh, that was so good that uh, Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris, Paul Donello, like one of the funniest shows ever. And, yeah. And that reminds me. So this is a weird uh, subject, but I was recently at a dinner and the people listening will not listen to this episode so I can talk smack about them. <laughs> okay. Where I was just, li- I was sitting with some friends of friends and we were eating dinner and somebody brought up Strangers with Candy and I was like, oh man, this is Bob's time to shine. And they proceeded to get everything wrong about the show and I was just sweating <laughs> and just nervous and I was like, if I, if I correct them, I'll be going too far. But I don't want to talk about the show if people don't know what they're talking about. But somebody at the table insisted that the premise of the show was that Jerry Blank was abducted as a child in middle school and then eventually found her way back to high school at the age of 46. Somehow this person thought that was the premise of the show. Oh. And if you're a podcaster, you know the pain that uh, people feel when something is said that's wrong about a television <laughs> show. It's unimaginable. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I don't know that show at all, I'll be honest with you. Oh, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's a cult classic, uh, they would you'd call it. But yeah, it was Colbert's big show before, well, not big, but Colbert's mm. show before the Colbert Report. Uh, and he's, but he's just one of the three leads on it. And it's, it's just a, a fun show that very darkly parodies after-school specials of the 70s and has some of the, like, most uh, overly intricate dialogue ever that I just love. And that it's like, uh, he'll be fine, except in all the ways he won't be. (laughs) It's nice to hope for the thing you wish to want. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. Things that we're saying out of context that are much funnier in a well-written script. 
Uh, so I totally yeah. blanked out. Oh, I, I Jerry blanked out after uh, Stranger with Candy. What else is happening on this day? Oh, well, Universal Studios in Orlando. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, this was a personal one for me of uh, Universal Studios. They got their secondary park, Islands of Adventure, in 1999. And so it officially opens in May. But this week in April, we, my mom, uh, won a radio contest i believe it was or with somebody at work however it was she got free tickets to the soft launch of islands of adventures the month before so we got to go to it weeks before most people got to go to it so i got to ride the spider-man ride before everybody else and i came to school the next day wearing my islands of adventure t-shirt being like i'm the coolest kid in the world who got to ride spider-man way before the rest of you rubes what do they have on spider <laughs> island apes uh, they're not so spidery <laughs> uh yeah, no, the islands of adventure is a fun now it's so dated because everything stuck in 1999 when they debuted it getting to ride the spider-man ride the spider-man ride i think still holds up it was one of the best dark rides of all time if you've ridden the transformers ride it just rips it off it's the same ride like beat for beat but i like spidey more yeah isles of Adventure is a lot of fun have you uh not gone to or universal orlando david no i've been to the one in uh in California, in Anaheim, I guess, or wherever it is. Oh. I've been to the one, been one in California. Let's say that. No, the Hollywood one can't compare to Orlando. Orlando is way better. A lot more space. <laughs> really? But it's Universal Studios. It's based in L.A. How could it? Oh, well. Well, I guess. Uh, I guess, what I guess you, it got bigger in Orlando. What you get at Hollywood is the history. You get the history of Hollywood yeah. there. It has the Psycho House. Nothing in uh Orlando has any history to it. I guess you could be like, oh, Sequest was filmed here. I guess you get the history of the short-lived second Hollywood they kind of started in the early 90s and never yes. took off. The Union what, free, yeah. second Hollywood. <laughs> What's weird is I, I live in a rural area near Vancouver, BC, and um, we had the Bates Motel and the Psycho House here for a while. Oh, wow. Because they, they were filming the show Bates Motel here, so they, they built the Psycho House and the Bates Motel right across the street from our local dump. So they had had land that was available there. So they never showed the hotel from like looking across the street because then everyone was seeing that they just were across the street from a a local dump. It's not really a dump, but you know what I mean? (laughs) A waste transfer station, they call them now. They can CGI all that trash out of there. (laughs) And also, so the Matrix. (laughs) Was the Matrix happening now? The Matrix is out in theaters. We just, for my other podcast, Retronauts, we just recorded a whole episode about the Matrix. Really? Yeah. You were calm like a bomb? Yeah. Was that said in the movie? Uh, No, that's the Rage Against machine song oh damn matrix reloaded i didn't uh, even know that no i haven't seen that movie god (laughs) it sounds like acdc's back in black uh the i think it's fitting that the matrix came out on easter because it is a tale of a a man who dies and comes back to save everyone from their digital sins in a way i mean they were very explicitly doing a christ metaphor with the matrix oh yeah being creative here no no and that was that first first movie was so good. It was great. My daughter, my older daughter was five then, and my younger daughter was two. So uh, it was very rare that I got out of the house, but I was able to go see The Matrix. Oh man, that was uh, that was one of the last movies I was under seventeen and could sneak into for an R-rated <laughs> one. Like, my friends okay. told me like you got to sneak into this before you're seventeen. Like have sneak into at least one R-rated movie and break the rules. For some reason, they weren't really policing that ever uh, where I grew up. Uh, if you look like a teen, you can get into an R-rated movie. That's nice. 
<laughs> what we did was we would ask like we'd find like a hip looking couple and ask them to sign us in that's how i saw r-rated movies like but, life of brian and stuff i'm older than you guys obviously <laughs> well the matrix for me was a revelatory film because it was like the commercials for it were so cool they were like you can't no one can explain to you what the matrix is you're like well then i have to see this and no I have to, <laughs> and it's it, my job to explain it to people now and i did get like i didn't know what to, it's weird to call it a twist now because everybody knows what the matrix is but yeah in the middle of the movie i didn't know the big reveal of it i didn't so, know it either yeah, it was great yeah. to be surprised by yeah. that yeah i didn't uh, i came in cold as well Good those were good times those were the non-spoiler days it uh i mean it was like right at the start of the pop mainstreaming of the internet so spoilers yeah, are coming yeah, yeah. Uh, like but, I saw the sixth sense like two years after it opened and I had no idea <laughs> what the the twist was so oh, wow I think I didn't get Thanks. that spoiled for me even on uh, DVD like I saw it on DVD for the first time I was like oh yeah me too now yeah. I know the twist yeah, but uh, but yes, David, David Dedrick, yeah. thanks so much for coming on this yes. week's episode. We know Dave through our friend of the show, Nina Matsumoto, because they collaborated on the amazing Sparks graphic novel, the second of which is coming out in 2020. And Dave is the That's colorist right. on August, that series. August 2020. Yeah. August 2020. Yes, please yeah, pre-order it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do the colors for it. Nina was kind enough to ask me and I, I jumped on the chance. So beavering away right now on the uh, on the second book. Colors are lovely in, in Sparks Volume 1. Very, oh, very thank you. Colors. Thank you. I, I aim to make them bright and colorful because because I went and looked at other books and I was thinking, oh, let's look at how other people do it. And then I looked and I went, why is everything so dark? This is weird. <laughs> so, yeah, I went the opposite way. And you also have the podcast uh, Sneaky Dragon, which I've been on, I think, twice at this point. Yes, you have. You, you're you now a regular former friend of the show. I'm the Steve Martin of Sneaky Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and other uh, podcasts, too. I know you have uh, other podcast series you do with Ian Boothby, miniseries and things like that. That's right. We jumped very, very early on to the uh the kind of single podcast single topic podcast what we did a beatles one first we started big and then we've got progressively smaller since then but that was was very successful because we kind of we were like even ahead of serial so when serial happened and people were like looking around for shows were kind of similar then they they latched onto ours so it was really kind of exciting hmm. one well, uh david what's your personal history with the simpsons that's that's usually where we start with our new guests I was in from the, the get-go. I remember reading, uh, I don't know if you remember the magazine, the Comics Journal. In the Comics Journal, they had like a big full-page article about The Simpsons. And they talked to Matt Groening and they talked, I can't remember if they talked to other people, but they definitely talked to Matt Groening. And one of the things he said in it that just blew my mind as someone kind of looking forward to seeing it. And then was he said, we realized that with an animated show, we could have like an unlimited cast that we weren't like set to have like just a you know, small cast of six or seven people that we could fill it out with hundreds of characters. And I thought that was such an exciting idea that it could just be like a whole town of of characters in the show and then they played the christmas episode weirdly on a saturday afternoon hmm. where, where i live it was like on 2 30 on a saturday that was canadian like, christmas <laughs> it, yeah it was just weird as if they were like trying to sync the show but i like i you know went out of my way to watch it and it was so great of course that very first episode i mean if i saw it now i'd be strangely rough looking i guess but at the time there was nothing to like you know judge it against and the, the original simpsons and the tracy ullman show didn't look pretty awful i thought so like that was a real step up for for the um I watched it regularly for quite a few years after. I did I did stop at some point and I'm not exactly sure when because I do get um I have a high 
I have a really low boredom threshold, so <laughs> I get bored of things really quickly. So, so once I know like what it, what it is, then I just lose interest. Hmm. So, but it certainly was a great show. And when I when I when I watch some of the older ones, to just to refresh my memory of how great they were, they they never fail to to amaze me. Well, and people warn you not to talk about politics or religion, and uh, <laughs> but this uh-huh. uh, there's no way around it in this episode. Like I know uh, Bob Bob and me are very godless people, but yeah. uh, when and I'm still astounded. Henry grew up in the South and somehow avoided religion entirely. Uh, but, wow, that's uh, pretty amazing. Well, I'll go into that a little <laughs> bit. But, uh, but, but yeah, David, you you are uh, not a heathen like like us. <laughs> Am I correct no, in saying that? No, I, I am a Christian. I grew up as a heathen, though. I grew up in a, a non-religious household. Hmm. Uh, we never went to church. And uh, actually was, I guess, an atheist. I don't know if you, I don't know if you could be a teenager and be an atheist, but whatever, I was like not, not a believer. I actually converted in my mid-20s, mostly because I took, I took philosophy and so and somehow that kind of derailed how I looked at the world and kind of righted myself hmm. uh, converting yeah but I'm I'm an Anglican or Episcopalian as you would call them in, in the United States B- basically as close to being an atheist as you can get if you're not a Unitarian <laughs> uh, okay so. just the one side of Unitarian there okay <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> very liberal background my church is we have a married gay pastor we have you know a very feminist or oriented theology it's very you know it's all all those things that would make people from the south hair stand up on end we yeah i uh people from my family would probably be a little offended at that information about yeah yes yeah well so then you're a good expert for this episode for us like i guess i don't know i i come from all sides i suppose well, well, yeah, Bob, you have a, you and I both have kind of histories with churches, but not uh, really belonging to any. Though. Yeah, yeah. Like my family, except for my grandma, my mom and my stepdad are sort of like the working class just in case Christians where it's like, we don't go to church, we don't pray, we don't follow any <laughs> rules, but we do believe yeah. in God, obviously. I mean, there is a God mm-hmm. and we believe in him because we're going to heaven, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. we don't ever talk about it or think about it. Just like, it's a sort of uh, Pascal's wager Christianity where just like, <laughs> sure, well, sure. I might as well believe because if not, I'm screwed. And that's like yeah. I don't blame them for that. Yeah, no, that's he, funny. See, I go every week practically, and I I'm not really sold on this whole heaven idea. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And and as for me, like I grew up, uh, I just think some people are incompatible with religion, and I think I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, um, for sure, I really dislike church the act of church and going to church. And I could yeah. never get on board with that. And that was such a facet of Catholicism, which I went to mm-hmm. uh, Catholic school and yeah. you would go to mass a lot, not every day, but there'd be frequent masses and the idea of Sunday mass. Like I just, it didn't connect with me and I just found it to be uh, a huge waste of my time. And that's not an insult <laughs> to people who are religious or like going to church, but I just sure. feel like it's incompatible with who I am. I just, I can't, I can't go with you to church. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I mean, my daughter's a probably agree with you having grown up going to church themselves they they don't go yeah i, I mean, don't force them I, there's, no, there's no purpose to it so. a, a very nice friend actually about a decade ago there they are um unitarian and they asked me to go to a mm-hmm. mass with them so i thought you know what i will give this a shot you know who knows what'll happen and i went there and i was like this is very nice and this is very you know friendly but it's still church like you can't mm-hmm. it, you can't get away from that aspect and i just i can't no. do it i can't do it yeah uh well yeah well this episode really seems to come from like an instilled childhood 
the dislike of being forced into church, not having a choice mm. in it. Like everybody in this episode is very much like, I don't go, I don't want to be here, but we have to yeah. in this church. And yeah. it's very much crafted by Mike Scully's point of view. He is a lapsed Catholic. He grew up in a very Catholic part of America and he grew up in the hot church where they turn the fans off when the priest <laughs> starts talking. So uh, yeah, it's really his point of view, I think. I did go through the, uh, Henry, I'm sure you experienced the same thing. In like the mid 2000s, I think a lot of people went through the whole like Dawkins, Hitchens, yeah. angry atheist thing yeah. that eventually turned into something much worse. Yeah. But um, I think I'm much more mellow now. It's just something I don't have to interface with uh, the aspect of religion. Yes, smug internet atheists uh, who uh, <laughs> like they have pushed me away from identifying as an atheist uh, because I feel like that really implies a certain level of like anger and rage and also, um, you know, chauvinism as well, I think comes through in a lot of athe- uh, like this specific brand of atheism that it makes me not want to identify with. I mean, for me, where I grew up in the South, both in like the northern part of Florida, which is the more southern culturally, but before that in the like Georgia and Arkansas, like, uh, you know, to not believe was kind of a, it made you counterculture. So there was an appeal of that. But I, I think now being an atheist is so boring to me because it's so acceptable here, but where I grew up, it wasn't. And it just never really, I didn't uh, buy into it. It wasn't for me, but also like, yeah, I, my upbringing was weird in that I had cousins like my father's sister they went to weekly church they did they were baptists uh, but my dad wasn't like his my mom didn't grow up in any church but my dad his family all did go to church but he didn't like he but mm. but if you were to ask him like oh do you believe in god he would have agreed to that but we just didn't go my cynical belief is because he didn't want to pay tithes and <laughs> give to any kind of charity but 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 also in my family history there is a like a third or fifth cousin once removed like i am i am related to one of the awful televangelists like oh yeah yeah i I forgot about that yeah yeah so there's that aspect of my upbringing too like i never i never met him i never went to one of his like super churches like but it was just this known thing of like well you know that guy on tv he's like your dad's second cousin or something and he met him a few times that's i mean it's Kenneth Copeland, if you want to look up his craziest videos, he's one of the... Oh, boy. Oh, I know, I know of him. I yeah. Know him. Yeah. He's... No, I mean, he's one of those, I believe, the prosperity gospel things, which is just... It really seems like a scam to take advantage <laughs> of uh, very desperate, sad people. Like, yeah, it's... A, it's, a, it's a very strange um, ochre with the Protestantism, the whole prosperity gospel idea that you are... Your favorite your favoritism in, in God's eyes is shown by your wealth. It's a really yeah. awful... Yeah. Awful thing, but you know, it's uh, I don't like to criticize that stuff too much just because I feel like ridges <laughs> are nice, so people want to cross them. Like, our, our church has a lot of people who come from like Christian reform backgrounds or Mennonite mm-hmm. backgrounds, like much stricter faiths. And maybe they weren't treated very well. I know, like, one lady, when her hu- husband died, who was an atheist, people went up to her and said, oh, I'm sorry, your husband's going to hell. Ooh. And then she 
she just left that church and why wouldn't you because yeah. what a thing to say to someone you know so it yeah it just seems like we we're kind of a our church kind of as a place where people wash up so it's, uh, it's kind of nice that way though that does sound and i always nice. liked it for my daughters because it's such it's a community but it's like a it's it's a community of so many different ages you know and i feel like in you know, the way our world works nowadays it's unless you know except for your grandparents you don't really know old people you don't really see middle-aged people you don't see people from all walks of life Hmm. It just doesn't work that way because our our lives are so are so stratified and so narrow, you know, focused and everything. So it's nice to go to a place where it's it's just like this sort of broad tent where people of all stripes come together, and you know, you get along or you don't get along. But you know, it's to me the like the biggest recommendation for for church. Other than that, I don't really see much purpose. I mean, obviously the prayer element and stuff like that. But I mean, you can do that anywhere. Mm. But in terms of like why why I thought it was good for my daughters, that was that was one of the main things. Is this the fact that they grew up in a place where they regularly talked to people of all ages, and it kind of gave them a confidence to go out into the world and, and and deal with people of all types and have no issues because you know they just grew up with that situation and it wasn't different for them. Like they they kill at job interviews, which I I could never do. <laughs> we just they became always, yeah. They just can always get a job. Like you know, if they get tired of a job and they leave, they just get a job right away. I never understand. Like they wow. just are amazing. Yeah, I just became so. an isolated and weird podcaster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we're all coming to this Simpsons Bible Stories episode with with our own baggage. I think that's too why like Simpsons. You know, they it's interesting to see this episode that like having the leads of your you know network sitcom. Um, go to church regularly is uh seems very weird now yeah, yeah. it does it certainly it, when i was thinking about this episode i was thinking back to when i was little when i was a little kid and i would go to like the dentist's office and they would have like the illustrated bible like just in the waiting room for people to like for kids to look through you know and, and mm-hmm. you know the, the drawings are great like they were great they're just these beautiful watercolors of you know lions lying with lambs you know and these sort of the idea of the garden of eden and things and all the kind of main you know point the kind of main stories of the bible and it seemed even as a kid, like I, like I say, we didn't go to church or anything, but I kind of knew through that, through osmosis, like mm-hmm. all those main stories that are mostly in Genesis, you know, the, the flood, the Tower of Babel, Cain and Abel, the Garden of Eden, all those sort of stories you just kind of knew because you grew up in this world that was a very much a kind of a, you know, a, whatever you call it, very homogenous, you know, everyone kind of agreed. And so it was okay for a, a dentist's office to have, have a Bible for kids in it, which I can't even imagine now going anywhere in a public place and have, and seeing that. Well, and just uh, when the Simpsons premiered, in 1990 it was just normal of like well yeah they all go to church on sunday it's just what yeah. the, the family does like yeah yeah so, so and now- it might just be a callback to the to the use of the people writing the show as well like they're reflecting mm-hmm. on their own lives it may not have been totally in step with the 1990s but there's an element of nostalgia to the simpsons mm-hmm. oh yeah these like, are kids of the 60s and 70s writing these shows now yeah exactly like my, like my daughter's I, my, I was never like a parent who kept his kids locked in the house but definitely in the neighborhood there was kids who you know just didn't have the kind of freedom to play that i grew up with where we could wander away and, and be gone for hours and it seems like the simpsons kind of has that element to it rather than you know feeling like like the more modern sort of whatever they call it, helicopter parents or whatever, that kind of... <laughs> well, so, so Simpsons Bible stories, I did want to talk about Nancy Cruz. Yeah, the yeah. Director of this, too. So we have two new people on the uh, staff credited as writer and director. We can start with the director, Nancy Cruz. So she started working on the show as early as 1990s Bart the General doing uh, work as a cleanup artist. So yeah. she started as a cleanup huh. artist and she worked her huh. way to director in season 10 and left in uh, season 22. 
So she was there from 1990 to 2009, so almost 20 years yeah. on wow. the show. Wow. Cruz's experience on the show is amazing how long she worked on it. Like that she was there from the, the Klasky Chupo days into the HD era of the show. Like, And seemingly this was her first role in the animation industry. She's not credited with anything before uh, Bart the General yeah. in 1990. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds like she's just was in the Simpsons family for a long time and good friends with the top folks in the, or just be so used to collaborating with them that when I saw the stuff she worked on post Simpsons, it's almost entirely with the folks who left for Disney animation from Simpsons, like Richmore, Jim Reardon, and Lauren McMullen. Like those those folks, she's now working under them in the story department on films like Wreck-It Ralph or the Lauren McMullen's amazing Mickey short, uh, Get a Horse. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think what happened is that, was, the, is that the one with Mickey Mouse? Yeah, yeah, the, the Mickey one where it's like 3D it, and 2D. That's such a great it's short. It's super well done, yeah. It played before um, Frozen, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, I saw that. that I saw. Yeah, we went. We saw Frozen in Seattle for some reason. We were, we were visiting <laughs> Seattle and decided to go to a movie, which was kind of interesting because American audiences are different than Canadian audiences. <laughs> I found. Oh yeah, they're uh, armed. Yeah, they, uh, people. Well, they talk to the screen there, which I've never heard here in Canada. Like during the movie, people were like, "Yeah, you do that," or whatever they said. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> like that, that would never happen here. Like no one, everyone just sits like unless they're talking on their phone like an idiot. No one says anything in a theater. Mike, know? I've had a few Canadian movie-going experiences. They're very pleasant. I have to recommend it. So we have a new writer to talk about here, Tim Long. Not a ton of credits, but consistently working for a long time. So he started on the original run of Politically Incorrect on uh, Comedy Central, not the ABC run. So in the mid-90s, he worked on that. Then he went to Letterman, where he became head writer for uh, a short period of time. And then he has worked on The Simpsons from 1999 till today. Wow. So just like, I forgot he's been there that long and still still wow, works The Simpsons. That yeah. Tim Long. Tim Long. Been there. That oh, geez. A Tim Long time. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's huh. late here. Went from being a head writer on, on Letterman to being a staff writer on The Simpsons? Yeah, there's a real Letterman to Simpsons pipeline. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we've heard people yeah. who've worked on Letterman saying it's a very hard job. Oh, yeah. The yeah. hours on Letterman? Yes. Yeah. That, oh, is that right? Okay. It's, uh, okay. I mean, a, a daily show like that with a very yeah. like um, intense boss. It, uh, Who's now apologizing <laughs> to everyone he's ever worked yeah, with, every, seemingly. Every article. <laughs> yes, that's right. I read that article by that. Oh, yeah. It was Nell Scoville, yeah. who we've interviewed on our podcast, too. That was. Uh, oh, is that right? She moved to Simpsons as well? Uh, she wrote in season two on The Simpsons. Yeah, just oh, wow. uh, a wow. one-off script. But yeah. But, uh, that article's really good if you want to hear Dave Letterman finally like oh yeah that was shitty oh yeah i didn't hire any women <laughs> all of his uh, anger came out when he grew that beard <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean what made him fun to watch is that he was an unpleasant weirdo but that probably made him very hard to work with it seems yeah yeah oh also on nancy cruz i forgot to mention she was like her height on simpsons was that she went to the she was one of the sequence directors on the simpsons movie which mm. was like there was david mm. silverman as director then you had like secondary basically co-directors and like rich moore was one of them uh and then below that was nancy cruz and others but like that nice. shows she is one of the best directors on the show like this is like uh this had some really good setups in it and uh, like some shots i'm gonna bring up that i'm just like wow that's good like, yeah this, mike our, scully said he wished he submitted this show for the emmy that year it would have won yeah it would have won for sure the uh yeah the, the art's just so great and like this episode offers so many challenges artistically that they pulled it off on this like 
like not normal episode makes it even more impressive. Yeah, yeah. there are four segments with four different sets of character designs and backgrounds <laughs> yeah, and time yeah, periods. Yeah. And uh, but funnily enough, so we are post South Park, post being reverent about religion, but they are still playing it kind of <laughs> safe in that this is an Easter episode. But I believe all the stories are pre Jesus Old Testament stories. Yes, yeah, yes, they do have Jesus in it, don't they? He is briefly in it, but I think it's fairly. Uh, it treats him fairly well. It's pretty benign. He's clearly yeah. in the right in that court case. <laughs> I think they also kind of cover for themselves like, these are the dreams of the characters. We're not saying this is how it yeah. happened in scripture, too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it yeah. covers them that way. This, this also, it's the second anthology episode they've done that isn't Halloween. They did spinoff showcase before that. That's right, yeah. Though this is much more in the style of the anthology episodes they do from then on. I think Tall Tales is the next one after this not counting Halloween episodes I do like that one actually (laughs) I mean the hobo Bethan beats the hobo life stabbing (laughs) folks with my hobo knife Uh, that's a funnier setup than just going back to Lovejoy being boring yeah uh, they actually did one about faith too they did another Mm. but not like taking specific scripture and redoing that. This one, I think the approach is interesting because it is for a non-religious audience too. So the stories it chooses, so number one is Adam and Eve and everyone knows that story, the basic ideas of that story. Number two... Yeah, yeah, number two is the Ten Commandments, which is really a parody of the movie, like the Mm -hmm. beats of the 1956 movie. And then number three, not counting the King Solomon thing, (laughs) is just an action movie, like late 90s action movie send-up. So you don't need to be steeped in religion to understand these parodies. And they're basically Basically, like what I rem- like, I don't want to read about it. So, what do I remember about these stories? That's basically what they kind of feel like more than, uh, you know, it's not like I do a carefully researched, you know, rebuttal to the Garden of Eden. It's just more like, what do I remember about Adam and Eve? What is the story? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's more like the memories of Sunday school as a child that you're, yeah, you're, yeah. That you're trying to call back as a, as a godless adult, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. Thank Merciful Ra. This week's episode is a great one, and we really thank our guest, David Dedrick, for coming on. Be sure to check out his podcast, Sneaky Dragon, and also the comic sparks that he is the colorist for. Please check all those out. And if you'd like to support this podcast, I can't promise it'll get you into heaven, but it'll probably help. And you get so many benefits for supporting us, too. If you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, you'll get to hear every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and without ads like this one and the same goes for our sister podcast what a cartoon where me and bob break down a different animated series once a week plus we have tons of exclusive content on there you can only hear if you're a patreon subscriber interviews with folks who have worked on the simpsons as long as 30 years not to mention our exclusive mini series we're doing the current one right now futurama season two part one you can only hear that if you're a five dollar and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so please sign up today
If you'd like to really show the wisdom of Solomon, you should sign up for the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You get all those $5 things I just talked about. Plus, our monthly premium podcast, What a Cartoon Movie, where we talk about a different animated feature film once a month. We've covered films like A Goofy Movie, Cowboy Bebop the Movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Aladdin, Akira, and so many more. And if you sign up now, you can hear our most recent one, The Toy Story, What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. We talk for over four hours in some cases, and you'll want to enjoy every second of it, but you only can if you're at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. So funny though to see this episode is like it's a it's a more conservative than the church usually is not to say that it's like a very liberal church most days but like lovejoy is much more of a scold in this than he usually is too yeah but yes this episode begins on the hottest easter ever which that's funny to hear homer say that because uh, every easter is the hottest easter ever it just it's, <laughs> it's every month this month every month this year was the hottest on record which uh, <laughs> uh you know things are fine probably pretty mild in yeah. By comparison, <laughs> they made this was the commentary I had remembered has such a funny line they talk about with that George Meyer would say in the room, which is like clever is the eunuch version of funny. And <laughs> <laughs> And they kind of crap on themselves, like, "Oh, that this joke was clever. Like this joke was, like that praying mantis joke was. Yeah, uh, it's I, very silly." I think George Bryce says, "Best praying mantis joke that year." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, says uh, Lovejoy is passing around the collection plate. He then comes face to face with chocolate. And thank you all for your kind contribution. Ah! The chocolate money. Who put this wicked idol in the collection plate? <laughs> Relax, I found it in the dumpster. Perhaps we need a hefty dose of the good book. <laughs> in the beginning. Excuse me, Reverend. It's uh, hard to hear you with those fans going. Well, let's get those off then. Oh. <laughs> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he's going to read the entire Bible. Yes, yeah, which I looked up how long, say, an unabridged Bible is. And on audible.com, the unabridged King James Version, there was one that was 86 hours and one that's 72. <laughs> Ooh, read by Larry King. <laughs> but but this one, uh, seemingly he only gets up to like, uh, I don't know, about three. Uh, Ten books, I think. I think Samuel yeah. is, is the last book he reads, like Second Samuel. We'll get to it. I wrote it down. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> okay. So yeah, that that wouldn't. He definitely doesn't get up to the New Testament. So, but we yeah. start with one, and then we go to two for the next story. So yeah, yeah. So maybe it's uh, it still he's keeping him there in that hot room for hours at the very least. Like which uh, that seems longer than their normal church service. But I like how uh, nobody even cares to stifle their groans. They're just like, well, yeah. It, it seems strange to me that Marge groans because it feels like she's the church keener. So that's the yeah. I guess even even she is. Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> disappointed at the idea of Marge. Like, Marge groans yeah. the loudest, but they do like kind of uh, crapping on Marge a lot in these years. So they're kind of they're selling oh, okay. her out a bit of that she's being a, she's a hypocrite where she pretends to like church, but she's really on the same page as everyone else. I think. <laughs> okay, okay. Lovejoy is he didn't seem normally to be the type of guy who would hit, who would call a chocolate Easter bunny as an idol, but uh, mm-hmm. but here he's very conservative in his stance, which yes, I, he's the Jack T. Chick suddenly of the. <laughs> He reminded me of uh, Dave Berg's The Lighter Side of those drawings. Yeah, 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 that's right. Just like a a weirdo, have a a weird dark energy to them. Mm. (laughs) Don't tell Jack that. I guess he's gone, so it's okay. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there definitely are, you know, uh, Christian ministers and stuff who do do see Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny as, you know, enemies of faith in this way. So this is, it's accurate to that degree, I would say. And because Easter's a lunar holiday, uh, I only know when my mom tells me Happy Easter. And I guess all it means to her is that she makes a ham, and that's basically it. We do Lent. So um, we regularly, as a family, do a non-sugar Lent. Mm. And what's always terrible is if it falls before my birthday, so I can't have birthday cake. It's a real bitter, oh. real bitter Lent for me. I think but, I might have uh, done a podcast with you during the last Lent. Yes, that's right. I think you did. That's right. <laughs> and I was it's eating okay. a big bowl of sugar right in front of Dave. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this Twix right. bar, so good. But I, I also like that Homer reassures the family who's like mad he gave away an Easter bunny. He's like, I found it in the dumpster, which implies that Homer <laughs> d- saw a full Easter bunny in a dumpster was like, I'm going to eat this later. <laughs> Yeah. It's, a, it's a good device that uh, lets you show the passage of time. It's like a melting candle almost. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. hideousness mm-hmm. of this melting rabbit. Those things are hollow. It's just cave in on itself, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, are but, they all hollow? I think that's the lie of the chocolate rabbit. Also, I know Henry will disagree with me on this, but they're all disgusting milk chocolate, and you can keep it. <laughs> oh, you I, don't like milk chocolate? Not a fan. Bob's a milk chocolate. Too hater. sweet. I, I'm pro, I'm pro sweet. milk that- chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with Henry on this one, Bob. I'm uh, drinking. Uh, I'm drinking black coffee at 7 p.m. That's my stance <laughs> on things that are sweet. For, for okay, me, I don't drink coffee, so that's, that's my stance on sour. <laughs> I guess. Uh, no, the the Easter bunnies. I mean, with them, you need them hollowed out because if you get a full chocolate one that like is entirely chocolate, you're gonna break your teeth. Mm. Or it's just it's mm. just no fun to bite into that. Yeah, <laughs> you have to carve it like a turkey. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you, you just can't break bite it his head off. Then it's no fun. You, you want to you start from the ears down. That's yeah. what the fun part is. <laughs> I got... We need uh, Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank's uh, Easter Bunny guillotine <laughs> from the Manos the Hands of Fate episode. Oh, classic, classic mystery science theater. I... That's a great one. That's one of my daughter's favorites. Oh, oh, it's great. That's yeah. You know, I think some of my favorite Easter bunnies were ones that were, they they were hollowed out, but full of mini M&Ms. Those were some good. Or spiders. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the spiders are extra chewy. They're fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But yes, Marge uh, has a dream where she is Adam, where she is Eve to Homer's Adam. Pretty sexy dream Marge is having. <laughs> yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I like that it begins like with the birth of Eve, like you can imagine she was just created and that's that's where she starts from in this. And I love Marge's lines like, it's almost like paradise. Uh, <laughs> we even see the lion laying with the lamb mm. as well there. Yeah, all the animals so are getting my- along. Although, let me just point out in the Bible that they, ha- they have to work in the garden in the Bible. Oh, they don't just, just get to hang? They don't just get to hang around and do nothing. That's they not paradise. <laughs> yeah, come on. Paid uh, lunches. I, yeah. I don't think it is supposed to be like a, like a paradise the way we think of it in the Bible, but yeah. 
in this show, it's like a paradise where there's pigs who will roll over on their back for you and, and all kinds of fun stuff. So. Yeah, and they all talk like animals can talk at this time, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, uh, Genesis doesn't describe talking animals, I'm guessing. But... No, it doesn't. No, there's <laughs> no... Uh, yes, Adam... I think in the second in the second Genesis story, Adam names... You know that, right? You guys know there's two Genesis stories, right? So. Oh, uh, he names the animals in that one? I, I honestly well, don't. Yeah, because the way the Bible has like these kind of parallel texts, because it was... It combined like a bunch of sources into one thing. Mm. And so there's the first Genesis, which was like the creation story. And then it retells the creation story really quickly so we can get to the Adam and Eve stuff. <laughs> ah, okay. It, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So it has like Adam created in the first one. But then the second book has like, the second uh, telling has like the Eve being created from Adam's side and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Homer describes it from his sexiest rib. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a, become sort of like the idea of, but I think in the Bible, it actually is like a full slab of beef gets removed from Adam and turned into a woman. So, Ouch. So you have to think of it like, not just like one rib, but more like short ribs or something, I guess. <laughs> it's a good editorial choice in the second, in the retelling to get to the conflict because yes. it's like, everything's good. Okay, I'm falling asleep here. We need some conflict. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God visits us very quickly in this uh, story here, in mm. this next clip. Looks like God made you out of my sexiest rib. Speaking of ribs, is there any grub around here? Is there? Good morning, Adam. Any bacon for you, then? Don't mind if I do. I diddly ho, Paradise Dweller. What? Uh, good morning, Lord. I just have to uh, compliment you on this beautifully crafted mate. Oh, Adam, you're too kind. No, you're too kind and wise and righteous. I can't believe you don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, please. You're going to give me a swell head. I just stopped by to see if you needed anything. Well, some general interest magazines would be nice. You got it, Eve. <laughs> There you go. Oh, thanks. Well, I better skedaddle. Oh, there's one more weensy little thing. See that tree over there? I hate to be a bossy Betty, but I have to forbid you to eat its fruit. No problem, Lord. And it would be even easier to avoid that temptation if I had a few extra wives. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Wrong religion for Homer. Homer's already... I This era on The Simpsons, Homer is, even when he's talking to God, he is ready to cheat on Marge, or at least <laughs> see if he can get away with it. This is um, Marge's dream, so I guess she doesn't trust Homer very very much. Sounds yeah. like it. She She's right to not trust him. I, I guess after, <laughs> we have to remember the character dreaming is the narrator. That's true, yeah. It, and then, So it's also that Marge sees Ned as so godly that he would be God as well. <laughs> which I'm glad sure. it's Ned's arm. Like it's the green sweater, not just any arm with Ned's voice. I like that. Obviously, who else could you have play play that role in, in The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, the, the guy who's so godly that he told Lovejoy to turn off the fans <laughs> so he could hear it better. Uh, I, I imagine if if Ned was as godly as he says he is, of that sort of godliness, that he wouldn't even go to church. He'd be like some like small home church with four other people <laughs> who all agree with each other. Yeah, I think he needs Lovejoy so much in his life, though, that keeps him coming. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's uh, Ned's lifestyle. He only has the home yeah. baptism kit, as we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, and the People magazine, that was a funny gag, too. It's a I long like way that. to go for a People magazine joke, but I do like that Marge's idea of paradise is a magazine you find in your dentist's office <laughs> a general general interest magazine uh, and one adam and eve are the only people so that's yeah. why they're the cover stars yes if i may the... over explain the joke here <laughs> classic gag 
And then Homer, Homer's being such a suck up to God too. I love that too. Even telling telling God he needs to get a girlfriend or he should have a girlfriend. That is yeah. so weird. It reminds me a little bit of that sequence in the movie Bedazzled with um, the other one with Peter oh, Cook yeah, and yeah, Deadly yeah. Moore. Why did you rebel in heaven? And he says, and he gets he get makes uh, Deadly Moore sort of hop around him, complimenting him, and then he says, "Can I?" We changed places. He goes, that's how I felt. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's uh, yeah. You know what? I I've actually never seen the original Bedazzle. I only saw the uh, Brendan Fraser remake from a uh, couple a couple decades probably from ago this now. year. Yeah, we're yeah. doing the show. Oh, from ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, it's pretty huh. good. It's pretty good. Liz, is it pretty good? I mean, it's a good story, so I I can see that you know it would kind of it'd still be okay but the original one I, I don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna stick up for that one uh but yeah we quickly learn about the tree of knowledge and their apples and uh mm-hmm. homer and marge are soon tempted by snake as a snake <laughs> in this next clip yo have you dudes sampled this fruit it's like god's private stash but he said it was forbidden quite so mum. i recall one of the dinosaurs had a bite and well that was the last of yeah <laughs> Please stop eating that. God's going to be furious. You're pretty uptight for a naked chick. You know what would loosen you up? A little fruit. Well, it is a sin to waste food. And you keep saying we need to do things together. Hmm. Hmm. This could really spice up those pies I've been making. What the dickens? (gasps) Eve, did you taste of the forbidden fruit? Yes, God. No, John and Eve, I think you'd better hightail it out of this garden. Adam, say something. Uh, 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 I think we should see other people. <laughs> Pretty awful a homer yeah. in this. I guess, yeah. again, yeah. if you take this as Marge's dream, then it shows a very low opinion of Homer as well. <laughs> really selling out Marge. But again, yeah. he does do that all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting in her dream that she she reverses the, the rules of the in the story, which is Eve eats the apple first and then tempts Adam to have some. Yeah, that's I mean, her, it's Homer who Yeah, that's uh it, I think it makes more much more sense for the characters that Homer would be the one that talks her into doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but but it's also, yeah, I, I was gonna ask, I I believe that is quite a change from scripture that it's <laughs> That it's Eve who does it first and then then gets Adam to do it. That's right, yeah. Which, uh, you know, has definitely been um, misused by some bad actors in the world of religion, I'd oh, yeah. say. To blame women as temptresses who who take people off of the, the straight and narrow path. I would agree. <laughs> I So I like that they change it to just Homer. I mean, so this there's two parts in this episode that bugged me when I first viewed it because it just seems so unfair. Mm. And one of them is this, that it's just like God is all-knowing in this usually, but Homer like <laughs> eats like 10 apples before God shows up <laughs> and Marge takes one bite. And he yeah. only punishes... Well, he, eats qu- he eats quickly. But he also like kicks all his apple cores to the side and it's just... Yeah. It's so unfair that Marge, that Eve gets punished and cast out of paradise alone, too, and Homer just lets it happen. God was busy making stuff. He's got to make <laughs> a lot of animals. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to stick up for them as being, like, theologically correct in the sense that God's omniscience is like a Greek idea that was imported later. So to uh, Jews, I, I don't know if Jews had that same idea. So they probably were 
it's probably more accurate this way. Because in the Bible, like God comes down and he's like walking around in the garden in the story, and then he's he's looking for Adam and he's, he says, "Where are you?" Oh wow! So, That's so uh, yeah. Like so, either either he's not omniscient or he's just playing Adam. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that like was this, a rhetorical like question, Adam. I'm off on my moped. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just feel so bad for Marge here. I I do like that they have the line that explains what happens to dinosaurs of just yeah like, yeah that's good to also fit with the unicorn that dies later in it. There's like well that's why mm-hmm. these things don't exist. They these characters killed them and that's good. Uh, and also Homer Homer's I, I guess I feel extra bad for Marge because Homer is so manipulative in this scene and like <laughs> telling her like you're pretty uptight for a naked chick and just pressuring her into it like you're always saying we should do things together like it's just so bad bad boyfriend behavior is happening here uh but great art one of my favorite shots in the whole episode is marge looking over her shoulder at just homer dangling the apple in the frame like that's a really good uh drawing i Mm -hmm. I love that shot Mm -hmm. and apparently marge just makes pies with no filling i guess (laughs) apples will spice (laughs) those pies up we thought that she just woke up as a new person like when like if we established i thought we kind of established that she had just become alive from being created Oh, yeah, like, when true. was she making pies before? <laughs> just off screen, she discovered pies. Yeah, I guess, I guess she found so. the knowledge of pies. I think that Homer couldn't resist the apple because of how well Snake presented it. Like mm. that tray was a really good looking tray of apple slices. Yeah. Yeah. Eve gets punished, Adam gets to stay, and Homer actually starts to feel guilty. Guilty enough to try to help her. I uh, I I love they don't draw Marge's butt because they like they can only get away with Homer's butt, but they really indulge in the drawing of Homer's butt here. Like the the <laughs> dimples they put above. Oh, the, the uh, yeah, the butt dimples are are spectacular. They're so noticeable when he gets that mink massage. <laughs> But uh, I got to say that uh, Marge is really sexy. Oh, yeah, yeah. The way, they, the way they draw her, like, she's nice and curvy. I always find that kind of funny with her character, like, that she's much more attractive than than Homer, I guess, is the... Though when she's in her green dress, normally it's just like a, a tube on her. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the curves are, are very selective when they're noticeable in her character design. If but, she wears a bikini or she's if she's Eve... Curves, curves ahoy. She yeah. was in Playboy, not naked though. Yes, yes. Ah, but uh, but yes. Homer decides he's going to help Marge, or I guess I should say Adam decides he's going to help Eve in this next clip. Oh, usually a mink massage makes me feel better, but something's missing now. I didn't say stop. <laughs> Lovely day in paradise, isn't it? Yeah, just like yesterday. Today I'm featuring mouth-watering pork ribs. Tuck in then. Oh, I gave a rib to Eve and now she's gone forever. One whole rib and still standing. Aren't you the plucky one, sir? Come on. Oh, poor Eve. What are you doing out there in that horrible place? I'm toiling. What does it look like? This is my fault. I should have stood up for you during that whole Applegate thing. Well, it's a little late for apologies now. Don't say that. Maybe I can sneak you back in. I mean, God can't be everywhere at once, right? And, uh, yeah, the mink massage, I, you know, I'd like a cell of that. The mink's dancing on Homer's butt. That's very, or lower back. It's a very lewd, yeah. it's a very lewd drawing. <laughs> Those look nice, though. <laughs> Those, uh, if minks actually listened to you and ran in circles on your back, that, that could be fun. I feel like they'd scratch you up, though. Yeah, I think you want them to, like, roll yeah. on your back when they're soft. Yeah, I think rolling would be better. Though this, oh, I should have said, I meant to say it before. Homer's arrival 
of jo- diving off the waterfall and smashing <laughs> in the rocks. One of the funniest visuals in this episode. The lack okay. of pain is just yeah. illustrated so perfectly there. The, I mean, is that uh, is that accurate? The pain didn't exist there either in scripture. It is kind of uh, the Bible is kind of a, a joke free. There's very few, mostly like puns, mostly wordplay. That's her. Yeah. That they love wordplay. Oh, that's so. fun. You know, that's funny. Now I remember. I should have said it before. You mentioned your first R-rated movie, or sneaking into the life of Brian. That's uh, very fitting for this. Yes, one. that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Homer uh, <laughs> gets Marge back into the back into the garden through a secret hole that's dug, which it's is. A- very fun but bizarre joke where a gopher yes. seems to be digging the hole, but then a unicorn is under him. But a land monster. A land monster, <laughs> right. A horned land monster. Yeah. And then the unicorn just like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then he falls over dead. <laughs> I love that voice on the on the unicorn. Like it's like it, a teenager's voice or something. Yeah. It, well, the unicorn's kind of got like a goatee as well. It's an interesting choice on <laughs> Gary the Unicorn. Gary. That was like right before Gary the Snail, SpongeBob's pet. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Gary... Gary's okay. like Bob. It's a fun, bland white guy name that you can just apply. You think you think it's funny? <laughs> yeah, boy, you, you have you have love for Gary, just mutual. Like you both suffered. I have a friend named Gary. We know each oh, other's yeah. pain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they seem to think they can get one by God, but uh, doesn't work out for them. So this is how you repay me, Adam. <laughs> and after I created my fingers to the bone for you, I. Oh! My unicorn! Oh, what have they done to you, Gary? Oh, there, there. I'm sure he's gone to a better place, Lord. Oh, shut <laughs> up! You are so banished! Hey, now, let's not do anything rash. God is love, right? God, you have every right to flip me out, too. But before you... Oh, my back! So this must be that pain thing. Go! Oh, yeah, definitely pain. (laughs) This sucks. (laughs) Things were so much better back in the garden. I'm sure God will let us return soon. I mean, how long can he hold a grudge? Forever and ever. And ever and... Kadak break. Uh, yeah, so the image of a naked Homer uh, laying, sorry, lay, naked Marge laying on naked Homer laying on the rocks seems to be like one of the mm. most lewd drawings on the show. <laughs> they, they got yeah. away with something there. Yes. I was going to post it on Twitter, just that screenshot, but I was like, I don't want anyone to take this out of context or <laughs> have it show up while they're, while they're at work. It's uh, It would get flagged as sensitive material by Twitter. They'd, uh, they'd make it unviewable. Yeah, I guess, but I guess it would have been worse if it was Homer on top of Marge. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, they yeah, fell in the correct order. <laughs> it's okay the way they did it. They could get away with it. This is a very Old Testament God here as well. The uh, not uh, It's kind of funny seeing Homer say, God is love, right? And then just getting flicked <laughs> away. <laughs> happy, so God, happy God, happy <laughs> God. Because the Adam and Eve story is, you know, it's... it's this sort of great myth, and I always feel like when when it gets parodied like this, like, like you know, like a lot of the the context or the subtext kind of gets thrown out the window. So, is that God like before he he does kick Adam and Eve out, but he also makes clothes for them? 
<laughs> you don't leave entirely naked. He he sends them out into the world so they can stay warm, you know? Yeah, that kind so of... it's kind of weird. Kind of like Cain and Abel. Like, like the mark of Cain in the story mark in Cain and Abel, the mark of Cain is a protective mark to keep him safe from being hurt. So it's these like kind of weird things that are kind of, get kind of lost in, in the shuffle of, of uh, our reading and memory of the Bible. I kind of forgot that if I ever knew them, I had forgotten those aspects. I, I didn't yeah. even know that, yeah. Well, because, yeah, I think, you know, it's in popular culture, it's just you use Old Testament as a way to describe something being harsh or, or you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is harsh. It is harsh because we're basically reading about Bronze Age people. We're like these are all kinds of oral traditions that were like later on collated into into the Torah, the first five books originally, and then later on like added to these kind of weird, like really ancient people's ideas. But then there there's like this gloss of like the more modern. I'll put that in quotation marks. More modern people like who have just come back from the Babylonian exile who are trying to like understand who they are because they've just been like living in exile and have been slaves or been couldn't be Jews, you know. So Mm -hmm. they're like, what are we and so these stories have this sort of meaning to them that it's hard to ca- recapture for us i think they're full of interesting things like like adam and eve it's partly like it has like the kind of myth- legendary elements too where it's like why is it painful for women to give birth when it's not painful for other animals and then this adam eve story says well because of this because of the sin in god's curse on them mm. women have pain from childbirth that's kind of weird things you know yeah there's other parts of the stories where they're like this happened yeah. here and that's why this rock is called this you know, and, and that's why snakes don't have legs, because the snake got cursed, or the serpent got cursed, and now he doesn't have legs. Oh, yeah. Adam and Eve story as well. So, so before the story, he had legs, and then he got cursed to not have legs. So when Snake appears so in this, he should have legs then, yeah. That is true. Wow. <laughs> Inaccurate. Yeah, I just, I, I want the entire metaphor to apply to me. Like, when I commit a sin, I want a new jacket from God as well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, you do not have my grace, but have this nice jacket. It's Uniqlo. <laughs> I think the idea of the clothes is that's God's grace, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't you don't go completely naked and, and unprotected into the world that you always have. It's kind of very complicated because in the garden in the Garden of Eden story, there's two trees, right? There's the the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's also the tree of life. So if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you you become you make you suddenly are are a free agent. Now you are can make moral choices but also you also are because you do this you're kind of cursed your life cursed to these the reality of life so you're no longer living in a garden which i think in the the view of the people who wrote the story it's not like a garden like it's more like a garden that would be in like a a, a rich person's backyard kind of mm. garden do you know uh, what i mean okay viewed it so it's yeah so you kind of have to think of it like it's more like a really nice backyard of someone's house with like a gazebo <laughs> the backyard of eden the back <laughs> but then anyway in the kind of the the story like so if they to have all this pain and anguish and stuff like that, it's actually God doing them a favor by removing them from the garden. Because if they ate of the tree of life and lived, had immortal lives, it would just be like this endless life of toil and suffering that has no conclusion to it. You know, it's 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 like God's doing them a, a favor by taking them out of the garden. It's very weird, though, of course, because why is he punishing them? And there's things that, you know, like for us as modern people, we don't, you know, for like, for like Jews of that time period, they, you know, and obviously when writing about Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve aren't Jewish. So like, it's okay for Homer to be eating pork because he's not uh, Jewish in, in the, in the garden. And think of that. There's no, there's no Jews in the Bible till Abraham. So for them, it was like, you know, they had to like explain like God active in, in, in our, as like this, this constant, you know, act activity in it. And so, the, you know, the way they explain things for us as modern people, like post enlightenment, it doesn't really make a lot of sense more than, than they would have. <laughs> uh, but we're like, why is that happening? Why is he throwing them out? Why is there two trees in there? Why is this, why is this happening? Well, yeah. Why that, did you make a garden and put two trees in there that people can't eat? You know? Those, uh, yeah, that, that, so, the, yeah. these were the questions that 
pushed me away from yeah it's like well but why that doesn't sure. make sense yeah I, yeah yeah that's one of my problems with church is even now is that you know you have sunday school and you teach very kind of simple stories and stuff like that but there's no like next level where you go okay well i know we told you about this but let's open it a bit more and talk about why this <laughs> what was going on and why people thought like this at the time you know let's unpack difficult things like joshua that's super difficult that's like full of murder and murder and murder after murder. So <laughs> one of my favorite okay. uh, Life in Hell comics. So Life in Hell, obviously created by Matt Groening. One of my favorite comics is yeah. uh, basically kids' questions about religion, and every panel is a kid asking a different question. I think they're taken from his own children or just things he remembers sure. uh, thinking of as a kid. My yeah. favorite panel is a kid asking, "If God is everywhere, is He in the toilet?" <laughs> and that's like something you honestly think about as a kid. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, does this, is yeah. he like yeah. he has to be everywhere? Am I peeing on God right now? What's happening? <laughs> Sure. Uh, yeah, and then it's, it's like, and that's another problem, right? Because you're, we have this idea of God as like this old guy in a cloud, and that's really not like the religious idea of God. Mm. And so then you, you know, but for kids, because you, you know, it's hard to understand like abstract concepts. You know, you have to sort of slowly introduce abstract concepts. And I like that Homer or Adam yeah. is kind of talking down to God of like, I'm sure he's in a better place. Like he's <laughs> trying to explain the afterlife to God. That's, <laughs> uh, that's an extra. I love that, that. That's when he's like, that's that. the that's last good. straw. Like, uh, oh, I, you are so banished. I, I, I mean, that has to be pretty frustrating to to be to to get that kind of message from your creation. That's pretty funny. Maybe it was sure. the tree of knowledge that gave Homer that kind of uppityness to think he's smart. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's right. The the cut to Lovejoy saying that this goes on forever and ever and ever. Uh, God does indeed hold a grudge in this story. Uh, yeah. Then uh, we come back and this, I have to say, this shows how uh, unknowledgeable I am. I did not know how many books were in the Bible. Like by I mean, it. it's not a common, uh, I don't think it's like a common thing people know mm-hmm. because there are so many, at least in my estimation, it was not like a, uh, like a Christian trivia thing in Catholic school. Okay. <laughs> well, but this is uh, but I did Google that it's sixty six in a Protestant one, which fits for uh, the the church they go to. So yeah. yeah. Uh, and so yeah. as we move on to Exodus, that's where Lisa starts falling asleep, and she dreams of a movie parody. Yeah. So I mean, I say in a negative way these these plots can be rugratsy. But I mean, this is a very. I'm sorry. Yeah, Rugrats Passover aired four years before this episode, (laughs) so this is like literally a Rugrats special. Uh, A way darker, but yeah, I get it. I was thinking the same thing because we did that for what a cartoon, right? No, Uh, it was a Hanukkah special. We did Hanukkah, yeah, that's right. They did Passover after Hanukkah. Very similar, um, you know. Styles of humor, like we don't see Tommy killing a bunch of people. No, uh, as King David, right? When the Maccabee fights, Maccabees, yeah, <laughs> they they cut away when that battle begins, and mm. I don't fully remember. I think they they don't really talk too much about the deaths of the firstborn or the pains of slavery too much in the Passover episode. Uh, but it's been a while since I saw that. I said Pharaoh started it because he thought there were too many too many Jews, so then he he had the firstborn killed. All right, so that's why Pharaoh brings it up here too, as he's he thought he thought he'd punish them enough uh, with yeah. the firstborns. But uh, yes, Bob, you're right. This is the Ten Commandments, the film as well. <laughs> yeah, and Wiggum playing uh, the Edward G. Robinson role, uh, down to the costume, in. the exact costume. Yeah, <laughs> and we should point. Out, I think we said it on an earlier podcasts, but he never said where's just sorry. He never said where's the Messiah now. That yes. was a joke. I believe was it Dana Carvey. It was Billy Crystal. Billy. Crystal. Crystal. Clip Thank here. you. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> 
Where's your Messiah now? Yeah, where's your Moses now, Shane? Let my people go now. So yeah, he was doing his approximation of hearing Edward G. Robinson in that role. Yes. Using his very Edward G. Robinson voice. Yes, it was okay. <laughs> well, it was so, uh, it was, it's a great comedic idea that Bill, Billy Crystal was saying what a lot of kids of the 50s, 60s, and 70s had thought that they'd see these, not just Ten Commandments, but all these historical epics, like uh, really extreme was John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Uh-huh. But in all these things, yeah. they'd have these char- these actors who so specifically set in parts of America <laughs> with their accents, playing yeah. biblical figures but not changing their voice at all it's it is uh quite silly but everyone knows that roman centurion's british come on you guys yes yeah in the last temptation of christ i remember uh it being di- i i like that movie it's distracting that's a good that, movie but... that harvey Keitel is judas yeah. and he still has his accent a very yeah, heavy yeah. accent yeah but even yeah they don't try movies. to hide it no yeah. but it's fine it works it works in that it works in that movie because that movie feels very it doesn't feel like a, a you know what do they call those movies sword and sandal movie or whatever it doesn't feel like that it feels it feels more like a it just feels more kind of like that it's just real people doing stuff rather Mm -hmm. than like a a big epic something Mm -hmm. they'll feel kind of more grounded so i I feel like it works in that context what's worse than his accident is red hair (laughs) yes yeah uh the billy crystal bit yeah we talked about it in the episode homer loves flanders Mm, that's right because that's what wiggum says to Flanders when he puts it when he arrests him for goofballs tells him like where's your messiah now eh?" and I think it was just them misremembering him actually saying that in the movie where there was no internet to look it up like when we want to double check a fact we shut the podcast down and look it up and then start up again to make sure we're right when you're making a tv show in 1993 you can't do that you gotta be like well I guess that's what he said in this movie yeah yeah (laughs) a lot of kid whipping in this one well not a lot they really only do it like twice to set up the torture you like the omni lash that's a great catch. yeah that's great the the kids are playing the israelites while the teachers are egyptian rulers here yeah Yeah. in this uh in this next clip man captivity blows talk to the whip on your knees you mugs it's the pharaoh Ah, excellent progress, slave driver Willie. Huh. Kudos on your whipping. Oh, he noticed. <laughs> oh, suffering sarcophagus, my tomb. Who did this? <laughs> Come on, confess. Don't make me slay all the firstborn males again. <laughs> Bart did it. I saw him do it. Take him away, boys. No, the bush set me up. As for the rest of you, it's time for a little discipline. Slave driver, put away the encouragement whip and break out the cruel whip. It wasn't until I listened to the commentary again that I remember that uh, the bush set me up was a reference to Mary and Barry saying that bitch set me up, talking yes. about the uh, the undercover crack sting that got him arrested. That Yes, yeah, the uh, the late Mary and Barry, who uh, <laughs> I, I forgot figure, D- Washington, D.C.'s mayor of the 90s. He was mayor for like 13 yeah. years. That happened. He went away for like three years and became mayor again. Yep, reelected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the they loved him in Washington, D.C. What can you say? Uh, yeah, it was an FBI sting operation where a former girlfriend offered like, hey, come to this hotel room. Let's smoke crack together. And so he <laughs> he accepted and. Uh, when the FBI busted in, he uh, was just repeating over and over again, quote, 
that bitch set me up. So that's why Homer, I hate saying that word, uh, but that's that's why Bart says the bush set me up as yeah. he's being dragged. It really away. lost the time, I think. It doesn't make uh, it doesn't make much sense if you don't know. And Barry Barry's been dead for like uh, four years, something now? like that. I tried to look up a clip just saying like where is he now? And the last clip I found was on YouTube. It was of uh, former of MTV. Remember Kennedy? Oh God! Uh, now uh, yes. mega libertarian. I think mm-hmm. she works for like Reason or Logic yep. or one of those websites. But she was interviewing him actually for a good reason because he said something about like the menace of like Asian shopkeepers in DC or yeah, something he was like that. Racist to Asians in that uh, clip. And yeah. she was like, uh, "Why make it about race?" And he was like, "I'm just telling the truth." And it's just like, "Woof, Oof, yeah, <laughs> yeah." It's just ugly on all sides because Kennedy sucks too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I had a crush on Kennedy as a young as a youngin on MTV. I believe she's a. Fox uh, News host now. She is, yes. Yeah. Oh dear. I'm sorry. I like the uh, I like the motto of Reason Magazine. Who needs roads? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why bother? Yeah. Right? Somebody <laughs> else will pay for them. Or fire departments. <laughs> uh, but it's funny. They get, it's a funny way they got the burning bush joke in here without having Moses see it. And just yeah. Uh, mm. I I would think that would change Pharaoh's minds on the Israelites if he sees a talking burning bush. But uh, well, it was on his side. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, it it also feels like a callback to classic Simpsons of him defacing something of Skinner's and getting punished. Like that's Big all the way back Skinner. to I am a wiener. Yeah. I also we talk about the dreamer of these and how it colors the stories this is lisa's dream so she envisions an exodus where moses is a wimp who needs to have an un a lost to history female friend driving him to do anything yes and i also think that's why the the plagues are not miraculous or they're not they're not done by god that they are uh False in, yeah, in that Lisa does like it. school pranks almost to just box of frogs jumped up, jumped up, dumped on someone is uh, yeah 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 I think uh, I think you can credit that to Lisa being a non-believer or at least a a, a light <laughs> believer yeah yeah she's not a Buddhist yet yeah though then again though that would go that is that's counter to how she's treated at the end of the episode if she's a non-believer hmm. but yes lisa pushes millhouse into the most feeble saying of let my people go in in film history <laughs> we can't keep living like this moses ask pharaoh to let your people go oh now they're my people scrap harder slave i want to be able to eat off that thing and make it snappy. It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, Pharaoh? I think Moses here has something to ask you. Oh. Let me people go. Let your people go? <laughs> I've never heard such insolence. You call yourselves slaves? <laughs> <laughs> well, the ball's in his court now. <laughs> That was Skinner being very much louder than he normally is. I think yeah. it was done well to play off Milhouse's wimpiness. <laughs> I love yeah, how I love great. how angry he is. I love that he's 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 mad of just like you call yourself slaves. Is it like that you're being the opposite of a slave? That you're not doing what I say. We all know the song "Let My People Go." So to just mm-hmm. say like "Let My People Go," <laughs> that's that's so funny. <laughs> that Moses just has to be shoved into everything by by Lisa. I also like his very like oh so now they're your my people. People. Like it, 
yeah. it's a real like uh, married couple argument. Yeah. So now it's my son. <laughs> oh well, when it was when he got LLAs, it was your son. But now <laughs> this is the first time I noticed that when Wiggum says it's almost lunchtime, he looks at a sundial like they drew a ah, sundial in there. Very good. So that's a good a good extra gag there. Uh, and so Edna is uh, well, actually, in the next scene we get a plague of frogs and also a. A Cleopatra reference kind of out of nowhere, which, like, that's um, thousands of years difference from <laughs> Ramsey's, I think. Yeah. That's All right, read me bank what I have so far, Mrs. Crumbapatra. Bird, bird, giant eye, pyramid, bird. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, giant eye, dead fish, cat head, cat head, cat head. Guy <laughs> doing this. What the? Keep that plate coming, Moses. Frogs away! <laughs> we spent all our money, but it was worth it. Now he's got to let us go. Mmm. <laughs> mm. These are the juiciest frogs I've ever eaten. Mm. Ra has rewarded my cruelty to the slaves. It's a plague, you moron. And we got lots more planned. And there's nothing you can do about it. So long, kids. Give my regards to the British Museum. <laughs> My line of the show is the hieroglyphics joke. Okay. Cathead, 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 <laughs> guy doing this. It's funny because I think the joke is like, even they don't know what hieroglyphics are. They just know like yeah, what the pictures yeah. are. But I just, I love yeah, the reading of like Harry Shear going cathead, cathead, cathead. <laughs> All right, let's, let's play the jingle to make that officially the line of the episode. That's the joke. Thank you. I got a real chuckle out of that joke. Yeah. And also the Crabapatra that's... Really, uh, really tortured. Uh, but but I like the design of her looking like the Elizabeth Taylor Cleopatra, especially with the like, heavy eyeliner on her and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very Mad Magazine-style parody in which we don't yeah. need to know her name, but someone thought it was very cute, so it's like they're uh, mentioning her name unnecessarily, you know, <laughs> just to be like, we made this pun! Look at this pun! And I, I like the... I do like the gag, too, that like a how the plagues aren't working on a bad person who just reads any punishment is like, nah, this is telling me that I'm doing a great job and it's a reward for my torturing of slaves. And it's an easy joke to miss, but Skinner is eating everything but the legs of the frogs. Oh, yes. That's, he just has <laughs> piles of the legs, which is like, that's... Frog legs is the only part of frogs normally people eat if they if they eat frogs at all. I also like that Wiggum has uh, he knows what the British Museum is that there's a place yeah. called Britain and then we'll have a museum. Yes, yeah, so I like that's that's a joke I like a lot. I just like that kind of what do you call it anachronism there, like where they're just... <laughs> and there's a callback to a recent episode in this initial establishing shot of the inside of the pyramid. Oh. The orb of Isis from Lost Our Lisa is on display. Oh, I missed that. Yes. Wow, that's that's smart. The uh, now an unfortunately named thing, but uh, they they couldn't have known what ISIS would mean. But that's so funny they put <laughs> it in there. They didn't know it was Catwoman's cat. <laughs> how could they? <laughs> I like how Millhouse also decides this is the time to see if they could be more than friends when they're <laughs> in a death trap. <laughs> Well, as they're searching for their way out, this is another thing I noticed for the first time. Lisa walks right by the death trap button because she knows what it is. Uh, but then Millhouse mm. is like, oh, hey, I found it and presses yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's so clearly a death trap button. And, he, and then he keeps pressing it harder yeah. and harder. The elevator button joke is very funny. We're just like, well, I guess I'll just keep pressing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The was, capper to me is the spikes coming all uh, point to point. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect. 
I don't think I'd ever seen that joke before in all the spiked room death trap jokes I'd seen. As a yeah, yeah. I, I that's thought what I thought too. I thought, well, this is a really great twist on this joke. Like, if you're thinking to yourself, how can we get them out of this this conundrum? Like, we we've got them in a locked room, basically. What do we do? And then that's such a perfect. I just I just I just like the idea that it just popped into someone's head while they were trying to figure it out. Like, I thought I had seen every spike trap room joke <laughs> until that's then. right. Yes, it's just like it's that and quicksand jokes. We need to yeah. innovate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I. I love that joke because you th- you know that uh, Lisa says eh, it's slave labor. You get what you pay for. But mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the joke that they had only one layout of spikes for the wall, yeah. and they just repeated it on the other mm-hmm. side of the wall. Like, it's, and then they uh, climb up the spikes, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, it creates a ladder because they all meet in the same spot. Like, yeah, so, and it's a uh, it's a cute drawing of them sliding down the pyramid as they escape and. Uh, mm. I, I Googled it. It does look like Moses is using a pretty accurate shofar to blow the horn and get everybody's attention. Talk about other cute, rugrats kinds of jokes. Redoing the chalkboard gag, but for Bart with, as a Israelite was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, and the chalkboard says, I will not deface. <laughs> In case you're wondering what that, uh, I think it's called a rebus. Oh, One of those okay. pictogra- pictogram oh, puzzles. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. okay. And uh, so, yes, yeah, says they're all running away, Wiggum warns his Hey, Pharaoh, those half-pint slaves are exodusing as we speak. Well, I say good riddance to bad rubbish. Okay, but who's going to build your pyramids? Well, we could... After them! (laughs) We'll never be able to swim that far. (laughs) Oi, Karumba! Screw this! I'm converting! Save us, almighty Ra! Hey, cut that out. I have an idea. All right, Moses, lead your people. Flush! It's uh, it's pretty blasphemous to write Moses saying, screw this, I'm converting. (laughs) And ordering his people to flush toilets. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's fine. We get a sort of a parody of the famous, you know, scene of obviously in the Bible, but the Ten Commandments that everyone has seen that clip. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's never talked about anymore. Uh, that film scene. But I remember when we were growing up that they it would be in specials about like these the amazing technical achievement of parting the Red Sea in yes. a film, like and. Yeah. It was so celebrated that nobody talks about it now, I feel like, because special effects are so boilerplate now. It's not it's not impressive anymore. <laughs> I've driven through it in the Universal ride. Oh wow. Oh. I think they got rid of that now. That's uh, that wasn't now they too political. I love that line that the, uh, I forget which um, Egyptian says it, but into the temporarily dry sea. Yeah. Because that makes me laugh every time I see that clip of the movie. Be like, what? The sea's not going to stay open for you. It opened for this guy. Like, what makes you think it's going to stay open? Yeah. Well, the Egyptians are too pissed off. They're not. Yeah. You should be losing your minds over what's happening. Uh, the, the funniest, the best part of it, of course, is that in the in the Bible, it actually is translated as the Reed Sea. <laughs> it's, the, oh. it's a sea of reeds, not a not the Red Sea, uh. which is like a later gloss because they couldn't figure out like how to trans like they couldn't they couldn't figure out like a sea that was in that area. So they went, well, I guess it was the Red Sea. So that's uh, what they put in. That sounds like a so. smaller a body of water, a Reed Sea. Yeah, they probably just walked across it. (laughs) (laughs) The chariots got stuck, I guess. Who knows? The editor was like, read, read. I've got monk stuff to do. Let's let's move on. (laughs) Next page. What also talking about Rugratsy jokes, Oi Karumba is a bit of a oh, yeah. joke there. They were having a little too much fun. 
I think yeah. I think on the commentary they said they were driving George Meyer crazy <laughs> with these uh, with these parodies. So that's why they're doing a it, very right? old school writer on the staff at the time. Uh, Sorry, George Meyer was an old school writer. Yes. Yeah, he was on from the first season and he came back. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he was gone after the fifth season. I'm guessing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? So he was only there for that long. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, and I think he left in the fifth and came back for the ninth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is okay. is a bigger creative force for sure. I think he. He was like a once a week kind of guy until until season nine, uh, and he is the type of guy who would not like these kind of bazooka Joe type yeah. jokes. <laughs> That's a good label for them. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I read a I read a um, profile of him in the New Yorker many 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 years ago. Oh, that's a great. That was you know when I read that that was one of my first times I even thought of uh, that there are writers for these shows and that mm-hmm. who these writers are. Yeah. Yeah, he drove like a Honda Accord with no air conditioning because it was bad for the environment. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yeah. And it, it, it talked about him kind of becoming estranged from the, like, I guess, television writing and moving to Colorado, mm-hmm. where he was doing like a little fanzine called Army Man. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of got him attention again. And then he, I guess he got hired to write for, was it, oh, I can't remember what it was for. Maybe for David Letterman. I can't remember what it was for now. Yeah, he was a Letterman but writer. He, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he kind of came back that way. And then he, and then he moved to Simpsons, uh, I guess, like a lot of other, maybe he was the kind of the portal to the Simpsons for a lot <laughs> of uh, Letterman writers. Yeah. We haven't mentioned it uh, in a while, but Army Man was the fanzine that people like George Meyer and John Swartzwelder wrote for. Yeah. Uh, and, and all this, all the scans are online. Like I had no idea how you got it back in like 1986 <laughs> or 87 or whatever. I've never seen but... it. I didn't even know it was online. I oh, just yeah. was reading about it in the New Yorker profile. Very funny. Stuck in my mind. Punchy little joke articles. It's, very, it's sort of like an onion pre-onion almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's exactly what I love in humor, which is when I was a teenager, I always wanted to start a humor magazine called Golf Carts because. <laughs> It's like so inappropriate a name for a humor magazine, and I feel like Army Man is the same. It's just like a, a brilliant, uh, you know, non sequitur, which I really like. <laughs> I I really like that Moses. Uh, the way they have Millhouse play it, Lisa does everything. All he says is flush, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm a genius." Yeah, <laughs> takes all the credit. Such a great gag of how guys like really. It feels like a joke about managers. How a manager just took all the credit for Lisa's work there. Or really just men in that time period where women were so subordinate to the, oh, to the yeah. males, oh, yeah. but uh, probably had a lot to do with the general running of everything, but men just couldn't couldn't handle dealing, you know, admitting that. So, mm-hmm. And with all the violence in the next uh, segment, you'd think there'd be more here, but I love how it just turns into pool time fun. Yes. Yeah. All yeah. the Egyptians <laughs> just have, like, fun in the pool. You don't have to watch them all drown. Yeah. Uh, it's funnier to see Wiggum uh, bossing around Lou and Eddie kind of being the parent to them in the in the pool. Uh, in this next clip. Uh, oh. Hey, Chief, he splashed me. Look, nobody likes a crybaby, okay? You just splash him back. Yeah! <laughs> well, Lisa, we're out of Egypt. So, what's next for the Israelites? Land of milk and honey? Hmm, well, actually, it looks like we're in for 40 years of wandering the desert. 40 years? But after that, it's clear sailing for the Jews, right? Uh, more or less. Hey, is that manna? Yay! <laughs> and they're off to play The Secret of Mana for the Super <laughs> Nintendo. I could not think of any JRPG when Lisa said that. Or, first... or Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> forgot to mention that it was God who made them wander for 40 years. Mm. <laughs> 
But he gave them uh, manna to eat, right? Like, yeah, it was just right. like the never, yeah. like the clothes he gave Adam and Eve. He's like, here's a sack of uh, manna. Yeah, here's some one, yeah. one flavor. Sky. Well, again, in in Lisa's dream, there is no God, and she's she's just the one uh, leading them around. Yeah, God is a fink in this in this. Uh, <laughs> it's a burning bush who gives away the. I like. I mean, it's a real dark joke, but I do like how just Millhouse's hopefulness of like hey, it's clear sailing for the Jews, right? <laughs> like, ooh, dark. Dark gag. So this next uh, segment I forgot exists, and I think it's a bit lame. I just feel like the David and Goliath thing needed about 45 seconds mm. before it started. So uh, it's just really a vehicle for a people's court parody, a little yeah. past the sell-by date. 99 is kind of late for people's court jokes. It's yeah. very true. Uh, at least it lets every it lets all four speaking family members have a dream sequence. Like This feels like it's a leftover from today's four-act Simpsons instead it of, does yeah instead of this but homer's acting in this is funny to me i actually i just have the whole clip here let's it's let's fine. let's play it, works. it now we come to king solomon whose wisdom was like a drill boring into the rock of injustice boring 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 <laughs> King Solomon, these men need you to settle a dispute. They each claim ownership of this pie. The pie shall be cut in two. And each man shall receive death. (laughs) (laughs) I'll eat the pie. Okay, next up, Jesus Christ versus Checker Chariot. Very good people's court sound alike. Yeah, I, th- I do. And I like the I like the tinkling kind of mid mid-eastern bells there with you know kind of giving it a little bit of an oh yeah Arabian flavor. This is right before Judge shows change to become much more trashy and personality driven. Like Judge Wapner was uh, fairly charismatic, but he was no Judge Judy or Judge Joe mm-hmm. Brown or Judge Mills. Oh. Every every successive judge after Wapner was much more uh, flamboyant and popular and screamy. When the the cases on people's court were a lot more boring. Than, yeah, uh, than the trashy. <laughs> of the Judge Judy stuff. I mean, in two or three years, we will have uh, Judge Constance Harm, the Judge Judy parody, which just shows you where Judge shows went in the (laughs) next couple of years in this uh, timeline. I went went saw an episode of Judge Judy with uh, Johnny Rotten or John Lydon from Pill, who was being sued by his drummer for for something. Oh, yeah. I remember that he was doing that. Yeah, he'd... Yeah, the... Very strange. Most of those Judge Judy shows, it's... It's like Judge Wapner, it's not about him telling somebody to face facts or get their act together or anything. <laughs> Don't pee on my head and tell me it's raining. Yeah, exactly. Judge Judy is about taking these kids to task and telling them what for. And tapping on her wrist and looking at the time. Yeah, like, hey, I, famous gifts. I'm no nonsense here, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll do a little history of her when we get to the uh, the parents rap, I believe that's the first episode that <sighs> character's in. Yeah. But uh, she's secretly one of the most wealthy women on the planet. Oh, she's insanely wealthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, really? She makes so much money off off of her shows like it's and she only records like a few key wealthy hey yeah because those daytime shows just play everywhere and they're so cheap to make and she just will fly out and like record 10 months worth of them and in like a few weeks and then fly back to wherever she has all of her (laughs) immense wealth 
<laughs> it's crazy. Back to a private island. Yeah. I love Homer. I love Homer here. Like his, the way he says it will be cut in two. Both men will receive death. Like, and the way he pulls the pie halves back as he says death is so funny to me. Uh, and then also that Homer is dreaming of killing Lenny and Carl. Like, what does that say? You know? Stealing their pie. <laughs> also... I got to give a thumbs up to Nancy Cruz and her team here that like, so it's the same outfit in both of his appearances in Act 3, but they designed two different versions of a biblical wigo. That's true, he, yeah. He doubles up here and it's a different costume. He's clearly the Edward G. Robinson Ten Commandments design in that one, but in yeah. this, he's uh, it's a different biblical cop outfit. It's, it's, it's impressive. They didn't need to do that, right? No, no one would have noticed. <laughs> it is an interesting, like, quick detour to the new testament it's kind of weird yes yeah the... like they couldn't because, because well part, it, partly but like because king solomon obviously is old testament Dave, king david's son but then jesus it is then jesus yeah it's weird it's uh, kind of weird and then he's against checker chariot which i guess is like checker cab but for chariots yeah. so yeah. so talking about uh books of the bible so uh, King Solomon is from uh, Second Book of Samuel, which is the tenth book of the Bible. But I believe David, uh, David and Goliath is from the first book of Samuel. Is that correct? I think I think that's right. So he's going because, from ten to nine. He's going backwards. Uh, uh. Well, the his, the history of David is told once again. It's like parallel text. So like, there's two different introductions of David in First Samuel, but then there's also Chronicles, which retells the story of king david but more from a negative point of view mm. so they're not such a big fan of david in chronicles but then samuel they're big fans of, of king david so it's well this uh the appearance of jesus here is very yeah it's it's quite random and also i i like their idea at least in homer's vision that jesus is so petty that he would well not i mean he's that he's suing <laughs> the guy for a hit and run which <laughs> but is him having a kind of loose folder that says my accident like, like that, he's representing himself Himself. He's his own so case. Funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nancy Cruz mentions on the commentary that there, you know, in the animation world, there there are some, you know, really religious animators who who said they didn't she said they didn't have a problem with any of the old testament stuff but some were mad at the uh, of doing a joke about Jesus and she she had to get other other people to draw that section. Yeah. That was strange huh. to hear about the devout religious animators because I just assume they're all deviants based on what we know about animators. <laughs> <laughs> deviants of one type or another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, they're, they're deviant devout animators. Ah. <laughs> uh, and the so words are so similar. So, uh, so Homer, Homer then just falls on the ground. I like that he, when Bart pulls his arm out in, in the real world, Homer just flops on the ground and stays asleep. But then we get to Matt Selman's segment of the episode. That was Larry Doyle who wrote the middle one. Uh, this one is Matt Selman. And this, you know, Matt Selman was one of the younger guys on the staff. And this feels more like a South Park or Family Guy sequence here with it being so specifically about parodying pop culture beats of a uh, action film. Yeah, it's not just mm -hmm. a uh, retelling of a story. It has like a satirical lens to it mm -hmm. where it's definitely like uh, it's of the late 90s uh, Jerry Bruckheimer yeah. Simpson style of uh, cheesy action movie. We've really just uh, action movies have become so different now. <laughs> yeah, they're all these tent poles. They're not as much about the macho energy and, no. and easy revenge arc that uh, that this <laughs> hits. They're yeah. not catchphrase driven at all. <laughs> no montage. Well, I mean, there are montages, but no cheesy songs in them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, Bart. Uh, Bart dreams up a David who is 
much like Rocky in Rocky Three, he succeeded so much he's getting soft again, and so uh, that makes Goliath yeah. kind of clubber lang here, I think. Well, and also speaking of using corny jokes, uh, we get to the that could have been said at any time in the last two thousand years. Uh, Krusty comes in with uh, some Old Testament comedy in this next clip. I'm bored. Send in my jester. Hey, hey, King David! <laughs> How you doing? Now, I'm not saying Jezebel's easy, but before she moved to Sodom, it was known for its pottery! <laughs> what else you got? Yeah, well, wait a minute. I got something on the Canaanites. Uh, they're so stupid! <laughs> Methuselah, my oldest friend, who did this to you? was Goliath. But Goliath is dead. I smote him myself. I smoted him good. No, it was his son, Goliath too. Uh. No! <laughs> Goliath too is going to pay. And this time, it's biblical. See, writing a, uh, a parody of this kind of movie lets you get away with very bad writing in a fun way. Mm-hmm. So I like uh, him coming to life again just to say, no, it was Goliath, too. <laughs> and screaming no to the heavens, yeah. and this time it's biblical. Yeah, I... One, uh, my, favorite, my favorite joke there is uh, my oldest friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Well, I like it. Because no one is older than Methuselah. He is. Well, that's the thing. Once again, they're just going for these kind of, I don't want to say easy marks, but just it's familiar enough to the general population that the jokes land. You know, like it's, it's very clever. Uh, he, Methuselah is the <laughs> oldest human in the Bible, right? Or it... I believe so. They, there's a certain point in the Bible where... Yeah, they all live to uh, huge, crazy ages. Noah is another one as well. Just all into the nine hundreds. Nine hundreds, yeah, like nine hundreds. Yeah, old, like it's crazy. But I don't know if it's like if years were like if years were different for them. So when we translate years, we're translating something that was different. So it's hard to know. Or they were so holy that they just lived forever. I don't know. I have no idea. I think people of the generation, uh, I think people of the generation writing this script, I think Methuselah was also like a pejorative term. Like I would hear my mom yelling that like, hey, Methuselah, get off the road. Like (laughs) old people driving poorly. I don't think we do that as much anymore, Henry and I's generation. I've never used Methuselah in anger. I'm fairly antique and I've never used it in anger either. <laughs> it's, uh, it's I, a have fun other word. M- I have other M words I use when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Methuselah is a fun word. Like uh, Methuselah sounds, uh, I think, you know, when I think yeah, of that, great. when I think of that word, I think of Bugs Bunny saying it to, uh, to, in, when in, that flash forward where him and uh, Elmer uh, Fudd are both old. He's like, ah, so long, Methuselah. Uh, good time. <laughs> That's a great cartoon. Uh, but yeah, I also like hearing, <laughs> hearing Bart say, I smoted him good. But what makes a Canaanite so stupid? I want to hear the other side. Cause like, I don't know anything about them other than that. They're a people listed in the Bible. I feel like but. it's going to be a Polish style joke from Krusty. Mm. <laughs> oh, the Canaanites. Yeah. Well, that was the land that the, the Jews invaded. Oh, okay. So the, the Canaanites lived there first, and then then the Jews came. And that's, that's what Joshua is about, like the conquering of the Canaanites. One of my favorite per- things in the Bible, well, favorite in the sense that it's horrible, is <laughs> the story of the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down and blah, blah, blah. It's so great. And then the actual story is like the Jews were instructed by God to circle the, the town like three times. And it's like kind of entourage blowing their trumpets. And then God made the walls fall down. And then the Jews went in and murdered everyone. Oof. Everyone. Even yeah. all the animals. 
girls get murdered. Everyone gets no murdered. one gets off. like a wholesale slaughter. And I just think it's so weird that we like celebrate the walls came tumbling down and Jericho and stuff like that. And this is like a horrible massacre, a genocide of the Canaanites. You know, it's just crazy. Damn. Yeah, that's a real hard uh, hard book to stomach, Joshua. I didn't know that. Just because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of come after Exodus. You know, like the reward for the Jews is to come to Canaan, the Canaan land, to the land of the Canaanites. This is their prize that God has promised them. And of course, they're writing about they're writing this from the future, right? Hmm. So they're like looking back at this historical time. How historical it is, it's hard to know because a lot of the towns they mentioned, there's like no ar- there's no archaeological evidence for it. Mm. So it's pro- it's po- it's possible that like all the numbers were inflated in order to like make themselves look better or to, you know sort of the sort of like legendary grandiosity. But it's really awful. <laughs> it's just, uh, like it's hard to and then it's all done kind of like in a way that God is like cheer the cheerleader and also like the you know helping them out in in their wholesale slaughter of the Canaanites. Dang. So as a as a Christian, like as someone who comes from like the New Testament, where it's you know God is love, and as Homer you know points out to God, God is love. <laughs> it's really like it's really hard to to read those those books. But at the same time, it's his, you know it is a it is historical. It's historical not just for them, but it's historical for human history. We are religious, or we think we're good, and but we're also we've also you know slaughtered each other in the millions. So <laughs> it's uh, something that we have to like deal with in our own in our own like nature mm-hmm. so it is it is an interesting book in that way that it's how they deal with that time period and the bible also it, it you know it also is like i don't know how to say it but it you know it, the their view of god changes over time and their and their theology changes so like it's not always the same but the book was kind of like it's very interesting how the book was put together like in a non-judgmental way mm. not just in the way that stories overlap and contradict each other but also the they don't like try to change facts in order to make themselves look better. You know, like King David is a jerk. Like he's a horrible <laughs> jerk. Even in Samuel, he's a jerk. Like ba- the whole story of David and Bathsheba, like, you know, like he's he's like sitting in his palace and he sees this woman on, on a roof and he falls in love with her. And like he's powerful enough that he like can, you know, get her sent to him. And then he, they're, ha- they're committing adultery because she's married. And her husband is like this totally loyal soldier to David, this guy named Uriah. So then he impregnates Bathsheba. Now the, now the truth is going to come out. So then he has Uriah brought back to the palace. He tries to arrange it so they'll have sex. So then they can kind of cover up how she got pre- really pregnant. But Uriah, because part of like the oath of a soldier to, to King David is you don't have sex while, while in battle while in during the war. So he won't have sex with Bathsheba because he's such a loyal soldier, even when David gets him drunk and attempts to get this done. So then he has Uriah, Uriah sent back to the, to the war, but with a note to his commander, he has Uriah bring this note back that tells the commander to send Uriah into battle and have him killed. And so Uriah is killed in battle, so then he can he can marry Bathsheba. And David's so, not so great. No. Yeah. I, so you know, like me... this is like, but the Bible doesn't hide that. So it has like the David and Goliath story, but it also has this story about him. You know, so it doesn't try to gloss over it, and it, it even has him condemned by a by a prophet named Nathan. Hmm. To me, it's very. I find that these kind of stories very fascinating. <laughs> I really want to see. I love all this Bible knowledge, but I really want to see how Veggie. Tales handles these stories, especially <laughs> the walls of Jericho. I just imagine I, I would like that too. If I could stand to watch one of those, I would. I would definitely like. I have a feeling that they take the stories and just very, you know, they're very much uh, whatever they used to call it, boldlerized after this guy. Yeah. Who, who, I just imagine them turning this Shakespeare. I can see them turning the entire city into just a big salad. <laughs> <and> moving on. <laughs> yeah, uh, they leave town. Yeah, the 
I mean, boy, it would have been crazy to see uh, Bart doing all that <laughs> Bushima stuff in there. <laughs> I like the 90s blockbuster text, uh, too. Like With the way Bart breaking it, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah that... D2, ver- sorry, D versus G2 Stone Cold. <laughs> uh, probably written before. Uh, we're at the birth of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah. Did he emerge from the creamery yet? Mm, oh, yeah. He'd been uh, he'd been around for a couple years at this point, though I don't think it's a reference to that. No. I The intro reminds me of like the Rocky th- uh, four opening of the two boxing gloves hitting each other. And uh, then we get the show's third Davy and Goliath reference in the <laughs> history. They they really did Davy and Goliath a lot on this show. I understand. Because when you were, if you were their age, and I imagine that a lot of these writers are my age mm. when they were writing these, you know, so we have equivalent generation. Like if you grew up on a boring Sunday morning, Davy and Goliath was great because there was nothing to watch. If you, unless you wanted to watch Kenneth Copeland, there was <laughs> really nothing to watch in the morning. So Davy and Goliath, despite its religiosity, was like this is great. God, In fact, as, I never realized it was religious when I was a kid. I didn't know that. Oh I just boy, thought it was about a boy and his dog. As like a, a young person, like maybe around twelve or eleven, like dis- discovering irony for the first time. I didn't know it would be my future, but uh, <laughs> I I would watch this occasionally on TV and just be fascinated with just how tepid it it is. It's just like 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 the warmest of lukewarm bath water. You're just laying in it. <laughs> Nothing is happening. The conflict is very low stakes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. nothing is really moving too fast. It's just uh, it's a nice sedative. Well, it it was like produced by a church, wasn't it? Yes, and the man who made Gumby, Art Clokey. <laughs> yeah, I knew Art Clokey was involved in it, but I thought that it was like financed or partly financed by by an actual like church organization. So he he probably had to tone it down to keep those guys happy. I believe know. it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in this case, the uh, Davy and Goliath is uh, it's Santa's little helper engaging in it. Uh, <laughs> you got an awfully fat Davy. That's rude yeah. of him yeah. to say, but I guess it's him. It's him telling him he's gotten soft since he last beat previous goliath which this is basically the plot of uh actually creed 2 as well from a few years ago it's all very raw it's more of a sports movie in this case or a boxing movie <laughs> than a uh yeah really was yeah. film. oh yeah. one more thing about david goliath when i watched the show it bothered me because the dog was very judgmental and dogs <laughs> are the least judgmental creatures on the planet that's true. I thought he was more like a Pinocchio character myself. So <laughs> like, he's like the conscience of Davies. So. He really is because like his his main line is like oh, I don't know, Davy. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know you you didn't grow up when I grew up when Sunday mornings were really a desert for children. A desert. You know, like that show is great. You don't really you don't understand that. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I mean I grew up when uh, just Saturday and Sunday daytime TV were just like the longest, most boring Disney movies from the '60s were on. Or just some forgotten black and white movies. It was just it was a desert. Yeah, like even with cable, just like it was inescapable. Uh, just like the worst <laughs> entertainment. My parents were great. We always had cable. I was, oh, my wife grew up with three channels until she was like a, a young adult. So wow, that's that's uh, crazy. That's child abuse, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, Goliath two arrives. He challenges uh, Davy or David to David yeah. to battle, <laughs> and uh, Bart really screws up by not having a. If he's going to have a slingshot, he should really have a rock in hand to be ready for it. But it uh, it just hit me in this viewing of like, oh, of course, Bart's David because of a slingshot. I, I just thing. got that now. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. The slingshot, uh, he, he's got no rock for it, so Goliath picks him up and actually slingshots him instead. It's, <laughs> a, it's a fun reversal. Yeah. Then Nelson's proclamation of ha-ha goes out, and uh, <laughs> very obviously Scully's daughters, Mike Scully's daughters, are drawn into the crowd saying yeah. ha-ha back. When I first took these notes, I said very specific uh, background characters are laughing and then i got to the commentary and someone pointed out that's your family isn't it he's like yes, yes it is uh well they, <laughs> that's they, great they, you want to make the showrunner happy put his family in there the mm-hmm. his daughters had just appeared in the uh screaming yellow honkers already i so. guess well, like once you're drawn into the show once you become a background character like how all the directors mm-hmm. are just background characters sometimes in the show david is defeated and he's losing hope until he meets a young boy mm. he's good let my proclamation go out across the land. Ha ha! Ha ha! Hope this doesn't get into the Bible. You're King David. I love you because you kill people. Get yourself another hero, kid. I'm all washed up. Well, I guess it's up to Ralph to stop Goliath. <laughs> Goliath 2 is really gonna pay. Get ready to meet the first action hero. Wow. Boy, I love that joke. I love a smash cut to a tombstone. Every smash cut to a tombstone (laughs) is so funny. What was the episode we did? Because they always do the bong, the big like church bell. What was the episode we did where there's a smash cut to a graveyard, then it pans over to the hospital? Was that kidney trouble or something? No, it was. It was the hippie one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where he gets shot in the face. (laughs) They do a smash cut to the graveyard. And uh, Matt Selman, the younger writer, and by that I mean he's now 53, uh, as of this recording probably, he was uh, savvy about uh, referencing the 80s, which was a new thing in 1999. So mm. weren't corny 80s movies fun? How about the uh, the movie Over the Top? <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, they use that man. specific song there, the winner takes the fall. Like, but it's so funny, these other the other comedy writers on the show, when he was the young guy, they were professionals in the 80s, so they had like no nostalgia for a bad movie they were going to see that they were busy working on their own bad movies so they don't give yeah. a crap about a some stallone film about about uh, arm wrestling the tombstone struck me because it seems to say that ralph is five which that's uh, always bothered me but yeah. it's such a funny joke that uh i'll let it pass he should be eight it is funny that is uh the dates count backwards from bc i do like that that's a that's a funny yeah, biblical that's, good. Gag. that's good that they know they're in BC somehow. <laughs> there will be a Christ. <laughs> then we'll start counting up. And we're 900 years away yeah. from him. But, uh, well, there'll, be, there'll be a Christ. And then there'll be some crazy monk who will count backwards using the Bible to figure out when when 0 AD is. <laughs> uh, I also like uh, Ralph's pronouncement of uh, I love you because you I like you because you kill yeah, people. Yeah, because you kill people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's good. Uh, and yeah, yeah that, uh, that this montage gag, it's not that montage jokes were you know never done before but this is three years before south park will do their famous montage uh bits like and then do it again he had a montage so they did it twice then they did twice and then they do it well they also do it in team america they just use the same song again they're like it's they're really busy on team america so like can't we just use the montage song again we wrote it (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but this felt uh yeah this does feel 
novel at the time. Now, jokes about training montages are as old as time itself. They're about as dated as montages now. (laughs) About as lame. Yes. Actually, I guess... I miss montages. In 99 or 2000, that's when Wet Hot American Summer was, too, when they did uh, the higher and higher montage song. Classic. So many great montage jokes. Is that a reference... Is that a reference to meatballs and... Oh, and that one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. (laughs) Bart goes through a training montage with all the the sheeps uh, that can no longer be shepherded. I also like that the shepherds say, the sheep say, wow. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) Uh, So Bart is properly trained. He says it's giant slaying time in a very ADR kind of line. I, I also really love the gag that Bart's grappling hook keeps killing guys and it can't grab on to anything i think the original <laughs> joke was that uh he eventually it would cut to him having pulled down so many guys he can climb their bodies up to the uh, top but i guess they thought it was too dark or maybe not fun as funny I suppose as the, that's pretty grisly for bart to do not as I, funny as giant corn holders we get to see the the whale with jonah oh yeah jonah, jonah's, jonah's uh, yes, yeah Yes, that's good. You died as you the way you lived inside a whale. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, so we just talked about Strangers with Candy a few hours ago. Uh, about it's the first episode, right? The funniest he died as he lived is in that show. He died as he lived, committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that <laughs> yeah. show. Oh, God. Uh, uh, but, like, how Jonah's pretty separate from David in the Bible, isn't he? Or am I am I miscounting here? Uh, yeah, there are different, uh, different time periods. They wouldn't have known uh, each other. They would not have known each other. No, they would not have been. They would have been friends. There's no, there's no Bible clubhouse where they all hang out together. He just ripped <laughs> off Pinocchio. Come on. <laughs> yes, that's right. Pinocchio. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, the corn holders is a funny little gag that he apparently got a giant, a giant piece of corn that he threw the holders out to. That's just wasteful. You yeah, take, take the holders out before you throw them. <laughs> and try finding corn holders that aren't shaped like corn. It's impossible. <laughs> I uh, have some. Oh wow, really? that's blasphemy. <laughs> How are you going to mine remember what like you're the, eating? Mine are shaped like the front and back end of a cow. Oh, that's well, fun. that's kitschy, so it works. I mean, uh, the corn holder shaped like corn is kitschy, and that's why I like it. <laughs> uh, we also have the corn ones, but we have we also have ones that we are we got for making butter at a fair. That's when company comes over. Oh man, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, so Bart gets into the room where Goliath is. Goliath is smoking his cigar. I will give them credit too. They established that the lamp is there, used to light his cigar. So it's not a cheat that Bart just pulls this lamp out of nowhere and and mm. throws it down his throat like it was there before. But yes, Bart uh, is, or sorry, David confronts Goliath. Two. I trampled four giant slayers today. I think I earned this. Don't you know smoking stunts your growth? Well, 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 if it isn't the little prince. I'm not afraid of you, Goliath. Before I was arrogant, but now my heart is humble and my spirit is... (laughs) What do you know? A king fit for a meal. (laughs) Hope I don't give you heartburn. And uh, yes, that that causes Goliath 2 to explode. Explode. (laughs) I guess he's just full of gas from all the giant slayers. Bart is right to assume that that explosion would definitely kill him because that 
explosion was internal on Goliath 2 while David was outside of it. So it's not too crazy that he thinks he survived or that he didn't survive. But also it's impressive in this uh, show that like they asked them to part the Red Sea. They asked them to do full redesigns of the characters for multiple periods of biblical uh, eras. And then they asked the animators like, hey, can you parody the Chernabog scene from Fantasia? Can oh, you just draw yeah. that, please? God. Poor Nancy Cruz for her first episode. It's, uh, it seemed like a real so, baptism sorry, what are they parodying in that, that part? Oh, the, uh, the Fantasia Night on Bald Mountain uh, scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just coming out of the mountain, like the devil. Yeah. The demon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They play the same music sting and everything for his rise, mm. which uh, also in a very video gamey way, it felt like a final boss fight because the explosion creates a big circular flat area. It's a second form. <laughs> but yes, Bart, I love Bart saying the blast that killed that failed to kill me surely killed the giant. And so <laughs> Nelson reappears and Bart gets saved by an unlikely person who uh, died and for no reason is alive again. Great news, everyone. Goliath is dead. Although I haven't seen his body, the blast that failed to kill me surely killed the giant. Anywho, now that I'm your king again. You were dead. Nope. Huh. Rejoice, good <laughs> people. Goliath the Terrible shall rule no more. But Goliath was the greatest king we ever had. What? <laughs> he built roads, hospitals, libraries. To us, he was Goliath the Consensus Builder. <laughs> You're under arrest for megasize. <laughs> Where's your messiah now? Now! <laughs> <laughs> That moment with Ralph is so great. I really feel like it's an accentuation of the moment in an action movie of this era where uh, the villain has the hero pinned and you hear a gunshot and you think the villain has shot the hero, but really the hero's buddy who you thought died shot the villain from behind. Totally. And that's what it really feels like. There's like 30 (laughs) movies where that happens. Yeah. I just love love this, like, that's the flatness of the character. It's like, I thought you died. Nope. (laughs) No explanation. (laughs) No explanation. Don't need anything. I like in this one, there's two Ralph jokes that are just hard cuts to another thing that really just makes you laugh. Uh, Yeah, it's just like, nope. Like, just a very kiddie uh, statement. Yeah, Yeah, I think, Bob, that happens in, like, every Lethal Weapon movie. Yeah. (laughs) That's just a partner. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that was such a specific trope they were doing there i thought it was just funny like that ralph just isn't dead because for plot reasons he's not dead (laughs) yeah he needs to save bart uh but it's it's actually the same in the action movies for plot reasons he's not really dead yeah it was it was just uh just grazed him it was just a little flesh wound easy it looks worse than it is uh i feel like that megicide joke only makes sense if you remember what regicide is from bart of darkness all the way back in the season six episode. Well, you can also say, well, it's like if homicide is killing a person, megacide could be killing uh, a giant too. Yeah, that's true. But I do love you have selected regicide. <laughs> and then Bart, it's funny too that the no Rocky movie or uh, no Stallone movie, no Schwarzenegger movie would end with the hero being arrested and going <laughs> to jail and just such a down note. Yeah. Uh, but 
But then uh, that Goliath too was an incredibly great leader with such a funny reveal. I like that too. Yeah, and that's also good. Yeah, we call him the consensus builder. <laughs> uh, but yes, Bart awakes from his dream. Uh, in the parting shot of his dream, I like that he even in his dream sees it as a Bart Simpson dream. Like that he has to get a uh, his logo over <laughs> his it. production company. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and also another just great shot is like the burning tower and Nelson's corpse in the shot. Like it's a the, really like, good, a drawing. good like pullout, right? Yeah, like a yeah. crane shot almost, and the movie again so ambitious. Like Nancy Cruz and her team were given a whole lot to do on this, and and the final thing they are tasked to do is to draw the like biblical apocalypse like just just do that that seems pretty easy right it's funny because i think despite i mean uh catholics don't talk about the rapture just like some weird story or whatever but i think this was the first time i heard about the rapture as an idea Mm. and this was before it was a like left behind style joke like can you believe it Oh, before yes, those yeah. that books. I mean, the book series could have existed, but I don't know if they were Kirk Cameron movies yet. No, and no, now no. now they were more le- well, more quote unquote legit Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, that Nicolas Cage one is is fantastic. <laughs> those I and I mean that in so crazy. Oh, I know what you mean. Yes, you're, I thought you're actually praising that film as an artistic oh, achievement. No, no, no. <laughs> I just remember like reading articles about the books uh, at a website in the late 90s, early 2000s, where they just break it down chapter by chapter, and it was a sort of like the can you believe this yeah. kind of commentary. Well, now, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. they were the books you'd see. I feel like in 1999, if I went to a Walmart, I would see a lot of them of just like these the super best selling book series. Like they were they were definitely popular. But yes, when you when you read what happens in them, they do they sound kind of crazy. Uh, the, the Simpsons, <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of. They the Simpsons <laughs> will even do a parody of it in like five or six years after this, like where Homer watches a Left Behind film and then. A imagines it happening to his family and in that one i remember one guy is drowning and he says like why did i choose to be gay that's right (laughs) oh god oh yeah so yeah the book series started in 95 ended in 2007 uh 16 books so they were in existence Uh, not quite kirk cameron movies yet Mm -hmm. still 50 shy of the 66 in the bible though (laughs) (laughs) try harder so i guess if you were if you were sort of a hip hip person that would have been sort of a bubbling under you know curiosity that you might might have heard about mm-hmm. oh when i was a kid the stories of the you know apocalypse all the stuff in revelations it did scare me like i it it really freaked me out the idea of the end of the world like i think probably it also didn't help that i saw ghostbusters <laughs> like four, four or five and so those those visions of the apocalypse always stuck with me as 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 childhood fears when i was forced to go to uh mass for school when i ran out of ways to fold my hymnal booklet <laughs> i would often go just read uh revelations and just like try to find the craziest stuff in there like dragons and beasts and fire and you know destruction and mm-hmm. things like that like hey all the cool stuff is back what? here when i'm bored <laughs> and what's sort of funny about revelation is that it was written as a, a way of kind of like as a way of of calming the worries of like Christians of that time who were like, you know, being persecuted by the Romans and being sent to work in salt mines and things like that. And it's kind of like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's there's like justice at the end of this, you know, it's, it's really the uh, just you wait book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It should be called that. You're going to feel all bad. Well. Yeah. So there, <laughs> so there, not, uh, not that we can understand a word of what it, what it means nowadays. Like anyone who tells you they know what revelation is saying is a liar. <laughs> but I heard that one guy, 
guys say he could predict the la- the end of the world? All I know is that barcodes yeah. are the work of the devil, <laughs> and I don't buy anything with a barcode on it. Is that in there? Is a barcode in there? Oh, uh, people sure. think the mark of the beast are barcodes. Oh, that's right. It's I mean, they 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 really assign that to anything they don't like. The mark of the beast. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but yes, the uh, let's hear our final clip here of. The Simpsons slept through the end of the world. <laughs> oh no, it's the apocalypse! What? Are you wearing clean underwear? Not anymore. It's yeah. the rapture, and I never knew true love. I never used those pizza coupons. Why aren't we ascending into heaven? sins. <laughs> Where do you think you're going, Missy? Dad! Ooh, I smell barbecue! <laughs> hey, look! Oh, there are the hot dogs! And the coleslaw has pineapple in it! German potato salad! Good, uh, good final joke about German potato salad. Yes, but it seems it is a literal. Can I, can I test your knowledge then? Because I don't know what what is German potato salad. Oh, uh, I looked it up. It's. I uh, did too. Have you ever had anyone this podcast? I don't think I've ever had German no, potato salad. But as a mayo hater, I think I'd actually really like it because I don't like regular potato salad because of all the mayonnaise. But German potato oh, salad is mayonnaise free, and it's, it's more just a, like diced potatoes hanging out together. It's got a vinegar base. It's usually more savory uh, with like little pieces of bacon in it sometimes yeah oh, okay I have, i've had that or i've had that a variant of that yeah a, i i could go for that over again i hate mayonnaise so i i, I don't like coleslaw so i wouldn't even care if there are pineapples in it, I just yeah, it anyways. one way or the other i uh, uh trying to find out what was in german potato salad was fun because you have to read through 800 freaking words on any recipe website yes. before you can find out what's in something like how do you mean like are they describing it or are they just, oh. or giving you a story of how it came to be or well the weird format for almost every recipe and uh, I've been doing cooking lately after getting like a new kitchen stuff so I've been looking at recipes is that yep. uh, you often have to suffer through like a 2,000 word essay about how they found the ingredients or like mm-hmm. a related story like my husband and I were <laughs> vacationing in Vermont we happened upon the coziest store they sold us this brand of honey and it goes on and on and on then you find out they're making bunt cake or something like that <laughs> It's how, it's how they max out impressions on the websites. I guess they make you scroll through as ma- much of it as possible. But I guess that's that's the. I guess uh, that's it. The, how long you stay there also is uh, counts for them. But uh, it's funny that Homer. It actually is literally a barbecue down there. Like Homer. Homer thinks hell is a barbecue, but then it actually is. It's yeah. just a not as good barbecue. <laughs> And uh, the Highway to Hell song, very good choice, uh, very on the nose in a fun way. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they uh, asked to clear it, and it was just too expensive, but Mike Scully somehow knew the band's uh, manager or someone who worked with ACDC, and he got in contact with him, and he told him what they wanted to use it for, and I believe he got a major discount. And apparently, the manager never heard the request. The uh, label just shut them down. It never got to the manager, so they were able to to get Highway to Hell because Mike Scully knew somebody. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Highway to Hell is a very, ex- I know it's very expensive because of pro wrestling, Bob, but. Uh, and they got to clear that for Disney Plus now. Oh, uh, they must Every have 
song. They yeah. must have, yeah. On, and in WWF, the year before this episode aired, Highway to Hell was the theme song for their SummerSlam show. And it was played on every Raw, every promotion of it. But then after that year was up, they didn't want to pay ACDC again for any reruns of it. So they just had to remove it from any archived SummerSlam or Raw because they're like, this is just too much money. This mm. ACDC, I mean, that song is like, that is a hard rock classic, like capital C classic. So <laughs> I understand why it's so expensive. I love that they gave them the Friends discount because the Simpsons, They, I guess they just like the Simpsons so much too, right? And it would make but, the song seem cool too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's an investment. I mean, they probably like the Simpsons, so it would be honored to be have your song in that show. And uh, I, yeah. this is the era of mean to Lisa jokes, and this might be the greatest one. Yeah. She is denied rapture eternal love and paradise and just oh. to be mean to her like that I, again that is one of those jokes that just made me feel sad of like that's too mean i believe on the commentary george meyer really laughs at that joke and says that's the role of your family in yes, life yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's more what it's about actually i think it's yeah. more like the pettiness of your family more than than about you can't succeed like no one no one can succeed in their own family you know <laughs> it's a real crab bucket uh, mentality thing i love yeah. uh i love yeah. homer's statement even like where do you think you're going missy like <laughs> like that he's trying to tell a little kid like hey you can't go there yet like or what yeah. uh also great designs on the four horsemen i like that too mm-hmm. so many designs yeah. in this episode I so many horses too mean too much <laughs> they 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 made him do too yeah. much but what a success man uh, at least animation wise a great success there's sometimes it's a little too cute in all the biblical jokes but i think you know it's a, an achievement of the production team to be sure. And I think at this point they really earn the uh, let's see these characters in a different setting sort of idea. Yeah. I think uh, we know these characters well enough that we can easily see them kind of doing anything and they really have a lot of fun with it. I, I am a fan of these episodes. I do like the uh, upcoming uh, very soon uh, Tall Tales one. Mm-hmm. Very, very funny. Yeah, just coming to it. I, I don't even know if I ever saw this originally, so I, I don't remember it. So it was uh, it was interesting to watch. And yeah, I, I didn't mind. I mean, I I didn't mind the uh, corny jokes either because I'm a real fan of corny jokes. So that's, <laughs> that's good. But I thought, yeah, I thought it was fun and I thought it was kind of daring in a way that they, you know, their approach to it all was, uh, you know, the only one they kind of played it safe with was the Exodus one. But maybe because sort of gruesome they thought they should kind of tone it down or maybe it was a little bit of kind of uh bargaining to have the more violent david and goliath one. Oh well david yeah i just wanted to thanks for like you gave us so much insight into yeah. the, uh, the roots of these stories we really appreciate it i've learned that i've forgotten oh. so much <laughs> You learned you forgot so much. Yeah, that's me too. I'm trying. I was like struggling to remember things sometimes, but that's okay. I'm no expert. Oh, please tell us where we can find uh, your podcast and tell us more about uh, Sparks and where we can find you online. All that good stuff. Okay. Well, sure. Well, our flagship podcast, Sticky Dragon, is uh, comes out every week, and you can find it at stickydragon.com, which is where all our other podcasts are. We have done kind of like single subject podcasts on the Beatles called Completely Beatles. We did a Tintin one called Totally Tintin. I hope you see a trend here. Uh-huh. And then we just recently did a one on the Marx Brothers. We went through all the Marx Brothers films. So the idea of each podcast is the Beatles when we went chronologically through all their songs and all their albums from uh, Please Please Me to 
Abbey Road, which is the official last album of the Beatles and chronologically. We did the same with Tintin. And also we'd like to talk about history and kind of give a sense of the context and what was happening in, in the lives of the of these people as they're producing all this great art, whether it's the Marx Brothers or Hergé or, or the Beatles. And then Ian and I have started a new podcast called The Fansplainers, which is a movie, a spoiler movie podcast, where we just go very in-depth into a film and, you know, with no holds barred, we, we tell you right away that we're going to have spoilers and sometimes we don't like a movie and we try to make it better and sometimes we just sort of rave about a film and then i do a podcast with my daughter called sneaky dragon listening party which is a music podcast where we we listen to music and talk about the history of the songs and about making mixtapes and uh it's also very fun so we have a lot of different shows but they're all available on sneakydragon.com Excellent. You can go there and find all our other podcasts. Yes, Sparks is a fantastic story. It's an all-ages story. Of course, it's marketed by Scholastics for kids, but I think it's a book that any a grown-up can read or any kid can enjoy at any age. And it's about two cats who want to be heroes, but no one will take cats seriously as heroes, so they create a robotic dog costume <laughs> and uh, can be heroes. And it's really good. The first book is great, I think. And someone had to stare at the pages of it for months. <laughs> I, just, I never got tired of it. So it's, it really speaks how great it is. Yeah. And right now, I'm we're, we're doing Sparks 2, which is going to come out in August uh, 2020. Excellent, yeah. So yeah, it's been... Uh, they're really great books, I think. Or really, it is a really great book. And I the, the next one is, is lots of fun as well. And, and Nina Matsumoto, a friend of uh, Talking Simpsons, did the art for Sparks. And she is a fantastic cartoonist. Yes. Her drawings are so then dynamic and... She just gives so much feeling of movement and excitement and action. I just, I just love her art. So, so it's a great team. And then Ian Boothby, who's also been on your show, is a really funny writer and is really good at how he makes his plots. And he loves to have like, like emotional elements to them. So the stories aren't just silly. They also have like a deep emotional uh, element. So they repay rereading and they're a lot of fun. Thanks, so uh, enjoy those if you like, if you like graphic novels. I heartily recommend it. Not just because my girlfriend drew the entire thing. <laughs> uh, you better, you better pre-order Sparks. In it, but yeah. yeah, they are like removing myself because I don't, I'm not really like the creator of them. I, I colored them, but I didn't have part in the writing and the, and the, you know, the creating of the drawings and stuff so i can kind of be unbiased and, and say like you know someone who is connected to it but not intimately i think it's i think there's fantastic stories so i highly recommend them i will implore our listeners go out and pre-order sparks too have you seen what kids are reading these days <laughs> they should be reading sparks too that's my opinion that's right save them from dogman yeah oh, <laughs> those books are drawn in like three seconds <laughs> tossed off dogman get out of here well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Dave. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. So thanks again to Dave Dedrick for joining us on today's episode. Check out all of his stuff at uh, sneakydragon.com. Look for any of his podcasts wherever you find podcasts. But as for us, if you want to support our podcast and get every episode one week at a time and ad free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. If you do that and sign up for five bucks a month, you will get just that and also access to all of our $5 paywall podcasts. We've been doing this for over two years, almost two and a half years. So we have so many podcasts ready and waiting for you. Podcasts you've never heard. Too many to mention here, but you'll also have access to all of our miniseries. The newest one is Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1. We are about halfway through at this point as of this recording. So you're going to get 10 episodes of that before the end of the year. And if you've never heard it, you have a lot of catching up to do, mister. So <laughs> check it out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and Henry. What is happening at the 10 dollar level extra long podcast to perfectly complement your new disney plus subscription <laughs> yes. which you have to subscribe to it's law it's, now it's law uh yes for ten dollar a month people they get all that stuff bob just mentioned plus our extra 
once a month what a cartoon movie podcast where we talk about a different animated feature film at length sometimes over four hours this month in the disney style we are doing toy story the pixar film that started it all for the company and you'll want to hear all about it if you listen to that podcast only for ten dollar and up subscribers at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I have another podcast. It's all about video games. It's called Retronauts. It's about classic video games. You can find that every Monday and occasionally on Friday at Retronauts.com, or you can look in your podcast machine for Retronauts. Please check it out. I think you'll like it. Henry, how about you? You can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Whenever there's new stuff that comes out, I tweet about it uh, either on the Patreon or on the free feed. I make sure you'll know about it. And don't forget, if you're following us on Twitter, follow the official Talking Simpsons podcast Twitter account at Talk Simpsons Pod. One more time, that's at Talk Simpsons Pod. If you follow that, you'll keep up with all the updates in the world of the podcast. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for the episode Mom and Pop Art, and we'll see you then.